0: You might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight.
1: Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast, I'm Ethan Luck, and this is another edition of Metal Tales from the Road, and this week we are on the phone via Skype talking about Little Rock, Arkansas, and I, I know I always get names wrong, let me see if I'm pronouncing this right, is it Kleint Wheels?
0: <laughs> oh man, I, you know the best thing is just kicking off with some solid gold comedy.
1: You know what, you, you, can't, you can't ever go wrong with that. Um, we
0: can't let anyone down. Hey, our, our guest
1: everybody, he's a longtime time uh, supporter of the show.
0: Oh, OG. Some might say,
1: OG. You might say that. Um, you know, you might know him as Paw, You might know him as uh, Jason, or maybe one of the
0: Joyce's. But, ladies and gentlemen, Clint Wells. Thank you. Hold on. Let me. Let me wait for the uproarious uh, applause to die down. Well, I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll <laughs> I love thinking of like a sea of people, like at the Moscow show in '91, going crazy, and then the one guy doing the slow clap, and that's you. <laughs> exactly. The one guy out of a million. Right. Yeah, so it's a unique premise. So, um we'll get into the whole story, but it actually is pretty fortuitous because one of the only da- shows that we didn't have someone lined up for was Little Rock, and just by coincidence, um I got freed up to go to the show. So, you know, this is going to be a fun Metal Tales. It's basically just me and you talking like we always do, right, except yeah. I'm
1: except I get to be a guest. You get to be a guest. You get, Yeah, you could do the, the majority of the storytelling, things like that. Um, And this was kind of a last minute trip for Clint Um, He hit me up um, On like Saturday night Like want to go to Metallica tomorrow night And I'm just like neck deep in learning songs For this Need to Breathe tour And I was just like man I want to go You blew it I blew, blew it, it, but I'm just trying to be smart here. I need I need all the time I can get with these songs,
0: but I will see everyone in, in Birmingham and Nashville. Sa- Sarah was like, "I feel so bad for Ethan that he didn't come." I was like, "I don't. He blew it."
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I do, I saw
1: that on Instagram Live. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> oh, did I say that on Instagram Live? <laughs> yes. You okay. Did. Good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and of course, I'm just kidding. I've definitely been in your position where. I had you know I mean you have work to do and and yeah. uh, I know you and I know that when you go into the, the rehearsals this week you want to be 100% and I admire that and we're going to we're going to have a, a fun time this week uh, in Birmingham and Nashville anyway. So That's right. It really was like a cherry on top. So my wife um, maybe Thursday or Friday decided that she wanted to go down to Huntsville where her family is to take Nova and she my wife's in grad school and Yeah my my uh, my daughter adores um her grandmother her abba and uh, it just made sense they were going to go down there i still had some work to do so i stayed home and i was thinking about maybe going down and visiting them on sunday and you know i was kind of enjoying some alone time at home and i i kind of revamped some stuff in my studio i got a whole b uh a b rig a vinyl rig in my studio now oh it's awesome yeah i've seen i've seen the setup so um Anyway, I was taking care of that stuff, and and I think it was Brad Blazik who texted me. He said, "Are you going to go to the Little Rock show tomorrow?" This was Saturday, and I was just automatically default writing, "Of course not. I can't swing that." You know, like yeah. there was no way. It's five hours away, and I just realized, like, wow, maybe I can go. And I was doing the um, the Metal Tales with Sarah Sobek for Tulsa, right? And she was talking about. How her and some of the other, her husband Pete and some of the other black ticket holders, she was like, you know, we don't have kids and we don't have a lot of those kinds of obligations, so it's easier for us to go to all these shows. Sure. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know what? Tomorrow, I don't really have any of those kinds of obligations because my family's out of town. Yeah. And I'm kind of caught up on work for the most part in terms of mixing songs and songwriting, production stuff. And I thought, holy shit, should I just get in my car and go? And- just go. <laughs> I, I haven't done anything that kind of spontaneous in the in the you know in the spirit of rock and roll in maybe sure. I don't know a hundred years at least a hundred years. So so I kind of I, I texted Sarah and I said you know I think I'm ninety five percent I'm coming. I talked to my wife and kind of got her blessing and then I woke up the next morning and I was like there's no way I'm I'm not gonna go do that I've got shit to do <laughs> and and I just sl- slowly continued talking myself into it until I was like yeah I'm going an, you know so I, anyway it's five hours away for me and I, I I wanted you to go of course when you couldn't I asked maybe. I mean, I must have asked ten other people, and right. you know, it's it's a tall order for last minute. Hey, do you want to get in a car for ten hours? And yeah, it's
1: ten hours round trip from you know to to and from Little Rock, so I, it's a big commitment for anybody last minute to,
0: to you know say yes. Well, what I thought, what I was sure I was going to do, because you know we've done these, we went to the Detroit show together, which was seven hours there, and yeah, I just thought for sure I'm going to have to stop halfway and sleep, like get a hotel room, and I, I was kind of resigned to that. And uh, but I, as we'll all hear later, I ended up just driving home. So it was like a sixteen-hour, five hours there, six hours at the show, and then the the arduous, horrific trip to Mordor, five hours back by myself. Yeah,
1: we'll we'll, we'll get into the details of that because I don't. When when you had texted me, I had gone to bed early. I uh, was just kind of beat and woke up to a text the next morning like, "Hey, you want to do this this Metal Tales thing while I'm driving home? It'll keep me. It'll away. keep and me up.
0: Like, It'll. Holy k- shit, Clint's <laughs> driving back." It'll keep me from, from killing
1: myself. Well, if you if I figured you, you were asleep. If you and normally I'm not in bed that early, but if, if you uh
0: wouldn't have made it, I would have felt real guilty. Well, luckily I was kind of buzzed up from the show. And by buzzed up I mean I was completely sober. So I think one of the only things that really made it possible is just the complete lack of alcohol. Yeah, totally. Like and and I gotta say it was it was a really kind of fun experience and we'll get into like me being on the rail and being so close to the boys all night. It was kind of a fun experience just being super uh, like present for the sh- for the gig. Right, yeah. No, I I'm I'm
1: I'm looking forward to that same experience this week.
0: Like I had one beer like before Jim Brewer even came out. And so I went to try to get a second beer during Jim's set, but the do those lines were so insane. We'll get into all that. So Yeah, yeah. Um I need I probably need you to help guru me through the process cuz so much happened and I've got notes and stuff. So why don't you just treat me like a normal uh, Metal Tales guy and help help me get through it? So where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear your Metallica story, Kleint. Uh I'm from New Jersey. No way! The New Jersey Peninsula, Amazing. which is right off the yeah right right off the Bering Strait of New Jersey. That's incredible, man! Wow, that's that, pretty neat.
1: Yeah, I know that's south of uh, Tennessee and New Jersey, but um, of course. Right. Um, so yeah, you've you you've talked about uh, just briefly. You, you touched on the fact that you was last minute. You drove five hours all the way there. Um, you did some uh, Instagram stories for our our, our fans and listeners. Uh, anything notable about the, about the five hour drive on the way down there? Were you like, yeah? D- did that excitement like keep you going the whole five hours, or did it kind of wear off and then build back up and you got closer?
0: No, no, I had a really good time with with myself. <laughs> I really did. Like I, at first, I was bummed that no one would go with me because you know I was like, man, that's just going to be kind of a long, lonely trip. But I actually really like alone time and. I listened yeah. to uh, I listen I was I listened to your episode uh, of you talking to Danny Santana about the Chris Cornell tribute, which got me super stoked to like I kind of got in a Soundgarden mood and uh, I listened to Bad Motorfinger and I think I listened to Down on the Upside twice, so I was just having a good time like thinking about Chris Cornell. I I made jokes about Dave Matthews, but I really was listening to Soundgarden the whole time, and then you know for maybe an hour of it I kind of just wrote, wrote in silence and. But it's always fun on the way there because you're anticipating the show. It's really the ride back when you know that, like, the fun's over, I gotta get home. That was the tough part. Like, the ride there, like, I knew I was driving towards a really exciting night, which, by the way, we had no anticipation of being on the rail at all because the thing about the rail is I wasn't planning on getting the rail and I'll, I'll kind of talk about how that happened. But the thing with Sarah and her, her entourage, she's one of the black ticket holders and her and her husband, Pete, our friend, Aaron Ginther, they travel with a guy named Joe. They, they have a whole group of people. There's probably seven to 10 of them. And, uh, They sort of, they mostly do the rail, but some nights they alternate and just hang back where Big Mick is. Okay. Because it's kind of a more chill, it's a more chill environment. They're not dealing with like, because the normal way to get the rail is you have to have one of the like experiences, like Unforgiven or Whiplash. The black ticket automatically gives you Unforgiven and you wait in line. Sometimes you have to wait in line for a long time. Right. And then it's almost first, it's like a normal GA, but it's all VIP people, but you basically have to run to the rail. And sometimes even though you have those um, VIP packages, you might not get it. So that's just stressful. So I think they have some shows where they decide not to deal with the hassle of that.
1: But yeah, speaking of where they're, they're sometimes standing by Big Mick, I mean, that's where we were. When we went to Detroit. That's where I was when I went to Philly. It is a much more chill vibe back there and um, can be the better sounding area. But uh, obviously, as you experienced, the rail can be insanely thrilling.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, so... I got there I I got in around 5:30 and so we have our friend Wes who um who works on the Metallica crew and he basically got you know got me a working pass to get in. So I called Wes and I knew Wes you know he was dealing with You know, when the boy, so Wes works in the tuning room. And so I know the boys get ready to do the tuning room before they go on. And he's got to set all that up. And he's also got to find time to like go to catering and eat. And he's got, you know, he's got a a life to live while he's working. Yeah, of course. And because he's been really generous with us, I wanted to just be really sensitive to his time and stuff. So I hit up Wes right, like I was maybe, I was pulling right up to the arena. And he was like, hey, man, the closer you can get to the buses and like the loading area, the better for me because I may need to hop back in and all this. So, yep. I thought I was pretty sure I was going to have to park like several blocks away at like a paid parking, like in a field, you know, like $10 parking over here. I was like, but let me drive up to the buses and uh, I'll just, if he can run out. I was like, I just wanted to put as little pressure on him as possible. Sure, of course. So I found where all the trucks and buses were and I pulled as far as I could. And of course, a security guy comes running out. I said, hey man, a friend of mine is going to come give me some uh, passes. Can I just hang right here while he does? And then of course, Wes pulls up and I was like, there he is right there. So I got out of the car. You know, the first thing I did was give Wes a big hug. And like, you know, <laughs> he's a good. It's funny when you're in mid embrace. It's funny when you're in mid embrace and what you're saying near each other's ear is "Nice to meet you." Nice to meet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> nice to finally meet you in person.
0: <laughs> and he was super sweet, and he get you know he gave me like a, a whiplash um, armband and then like basically a pass that gets me on the, anywhere on the floor. And uh, I was like, "Dude, thank you so much. Get back in there and do whatever you need to do. And you know, I'll try to." He was like, hey, if you can't get in the front with these passes, let me know and you can come back here. And I was like, cool, dude, whatever. And he was like, why don't you just park right there? And he pointed and there was just like a parking spot. It's hard to explain, but it was basically a free parking spot right by the loading dock. Awesome. And I asked the security guy, I was like, can I park right there? He was like, yeah. And he like held traffic. It, it was like, it was as if it was ordained by the metal gods. It was even. all,
1: it was, it all felt,
0: it seems it all fell into place really perfectly. So he's like, yeah, just walking with me, so, you know, just like you and I playing in an arena, it felt really casual, and uh, he took me back through the back, and we're walking by, like, Joe Sib, who does the stuff with Jim Brewer, I see, I see, I see um, Jimmy, Largest Guitar Tech, like, I saw Big Mick, all that stuff, and of course, playing it cool, which I am cool about it, I'm not going to germ out on those dudes, but I am thinking while I'm doing that, I'm like, well, this is this is surreal. Yeah,
1: well, you got to play it cool, of course. I mean, we're, you and I've been course. doing this long enough where it's you can't walk b- back there and be like Wayne and Garth and like, you know, hold your pass up
0: to everyone's faces and say, "Right, you. we're not worthy." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, so then he walks me and we're just sort of walking and talking and he's kind of telling me about, you know, that he he was part of I guess out of Metallica's 40 or 50 crew members. He's one of the 20 that went and did the LA Forum gig. Yeah. So he's just he's just like, "Dude, that was just exhausting because they did the forum gig and then they went they basically the next morning at like 5 a.m were on a flight to tulsa to do the tulsa yeah so he was just like damn dude we just need a break we need to you know they they usually have days off and he was like we just haven't had a chance to really do that so we're just having kind of normal work talk, and he walks me into the arena and the arena is empty like doors haven't happened sure and here's what i here's what i was thinking was going to happen because I knew that, that Sarah and Pete and Aaron weren't gonna do the rail. So I thought that I would just sort of go find them and that we might even go like have a drink or a bite to eat somewhere because we weren't gonna do the rail. We just had floor GA and we were gonna go hang out by Big Mick where it's really okay, loose. Okay. But while I'm sitting there talking to Wes, we're just we're basically standing on the rail. First of all, Jim Brewer walks by and Wes is like, Hey Jim, he's like, What's up, man? Hey man. And I was like and I was like, That's pretty cool. It's Jim Brewer. And I was like, man, next time I see, if I get to see Jim again out here where no one's out here, I'm just going to tell him to come to the damn party. And end ended up doing that.
1: <laughs> I know. You texted me that. That's amazing.
0: It, he, he walked by again maybe 15 minutes later. I was like, Jim, you coming to the Nashville party or what? And he turned around and he was like, which Nashville party? I was like, dude, come on, man. The, the big one. The, you know, The only one. And he was like, uh, I th- he was, and he looked at Wes. He was like, are you going? And Wes is like, yeah, dude, it's going to be awesome. He was like, all right, then. I guess we're going. <laughs> That's rad. Well, ho- and, hopefully, uh, he, hopefully
1: but, he holds to his word and we see uh, we, we, we old Jim Brewer this Wednesday.
0: Let me tell you something from talking to a bunch of people at this show um, a shitload of people are coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of worried.
0: <laughs> I, I'm actually, actually, I, I'm legitimately a little worried about it,
1: about capacity.
0: Um, but, yeah, well, I'm just worried about so many people. Um. Uh, so, anyway, I'm sitting there with Wes, and it's still pretty casual. And, you know, we talked to Jim for a minute. Jim goes away. And I was like, Wes, can I can – I? I was like, when are doors? He was like, I think in a few minutes. And I said, dude, can I stay here on the rail? And he was like, man, why don't we – why don't you hang back and let the people who paid for it, like, you know – have an opportunity, sure of course, to yeah. get on the rail to to which of course I'm like, dude, of co- you know i don't want to step on any toes i wasn't even expecting this, so all the so then the doors open, and a lot of people come in, and no one really comes to where we are because it, it seemed like a lot of people were going for like obviously right in front of what looks like james's kind of first position sure yeah and and where we were if you're facing if you're kind of facing Lars's kit, we were on stage left where he, uh, Wes was calling it Rob's side. Okay, and and the boy. So this, this this the stage is kind of a an uh, an angled square, and then the corners of the squares come out a little bit, and there's a mic stand there. You know where all the boys they yeah, come to the corners, exactly. Yeah. So we were basically at one of those. So the moment kind of passed where it it, uh, it made sense for me to go stand by the rail. So I texted Sarah and I said, "Hey, I'm on the rail. You you guys want to try to come get on the rail with me? Like I don't know how long I can hold a bunch of spots. You know." So she texted, she was like, "Oh my god, I'm like last in line because they weren't planning on it." Right, yeah. And she was like the, you know, Pete, I guess Pete and Aaron had said, "Hey, we're still going to hang back, but if you can get up there with Clint, then we want you to go do it." Yeah, well, it's know? also a lot of easier just to hold one spot as opposed to three or four. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I'm texting her I'm like, "You need to hurry for real." Like, you know, just cuz it was starting to p- 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 you know, pack out yeah, for sure. around the rail. And uh, she's really short, too. It's, like, hard to see. And Anyway, I ended up finding her. She gets on the rail. We say bye to Wes because uh, he had to go do Tuning Room. Yeah, and, um, totally. And I had a, you know, it was good catching up with Wes. Like, he told me, because, you know, he's your buddy. I haven't really gotten to know him much. So yeah, Wes, we talked about his... Uh, go I ahead. Was
1: gonna, uh, just let the listeners know, the, w- the way I know Wes is that uh, Wes was on the crew for Kings of Leon. So I toured with Wes for, like, b- about four years straight. Um, and then... Before the Kings gig even ended, Wes already knew he was going into Metallica. So I was like, hmm, interesting." Right. Uh, so yeah, Wes is a good dude. Him and got, him and I got super close uh, on the Kings, you know, tours and stuff. So I'm so glad you finally get to meet him in person.
0: Yeah, yeah. He talked about his work with Kings, and he talked about uh, you know he said he'd worked with Matt Thomas before with um, the WWE. Yep, exactly. And you know he's most he was mainly a pyro guy, and he was he was King's pyro guy. Yeah, he did pyro for Kings too. Yeah, he did pyro, and so, teleprompter, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and so he was kind of talking about how his new gig with Metallica. You know, he he's learning a lot of new skills, and so he basically. Sets up the tuning room, like from start to finish. He yeah. all the gear, the curtains, making sure it's running well. They got a guy in there that basically replaced Mike Gillies, who is stimming all the all the shit and records all the shows and stuff. So Wes is
1: also the reason why uh, all the all the different flags are hanging up from the different chapters.
0: Right, he's the one who he does all. Yeah, he hang, that, right? hangs
1: all the flags up and everything. Yeah,
0: we have got to get him a middle of Your podcast flag. I know for Europe, totally. Uh, which he told me he's going to Europe with him too, so that's exciting. I mean, he's got a, a just a jam packed year with those. That's dudes. so awesome. So anyway, he had to go split and do his normal duties, and he I was like, man, am I going to be able to see you again? And he was like, yeah, you'll see me during Nothing Else Matters and Sandman. They go ahead and start like pulling cables and stuff for the last two songs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting, and we and we ended up seeing him do that. So, uh, so we secured our spot, and you know the vibe. It was like this when I was on the rail in the Snake Pit, uh two summers ago. Um, The vibe was just very friendly and generous. We were next to the Arkansas chapter. Oh, cool. And, you know, and Sarah, she knows everybody. She knew several people on the rail. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. Everyone in the freaking crew came up to her and gave her hugs, gave her picks, gave her set lists. Oh, dude, uh, Zach, who is Rob's tech, came up to her several times. One of the times in the middle of the show, and he kind of leaned up against the rail like into me like blocking me and she's just talking to sarah like i'm i'm like hey dude like what's up i just kind of wanted to be like hey man move (laughs) i'm a person (laughs) standing right in front of me i'm a human being sir um and then you know jim brewer was giving her love too and like hugged her and so um all right let me let me think here i got notes um what else do i need to say here so, you know, she's kind of giving me a rundown of like, oh, that's Jimmy. He's... She she knows all this shit. She was kind of giving me all the backstory on the crew and yeah. other people. And as we were waiting on the rail, several people around us recognized me from the show. Oh, that's cool. Which was really interesting that, that, and like, fun. So, but, so they,
1: were, they were near you and Sarah already?
0: Well, the lady... So Sarah's to my left, and a lady who I met at the show, her name's Jeannie. She was to my right. And she was some kind of hardcore fan, too, because she she was very friendly with like Robert and James it was her son's 16th birthday party he was there somewhere oh, Cool. and she kind of arranged all this stuff for him and she's showing me pictures of like her kid like in Sharon Osborne's lap with Ozzy Osborne, with Rob Halford wow. like her I don't know I don't really know how she got into all that she worked for British Airways anyway she was like hey the guy next to me who even a guy named Brad she was like he tells me that you're famous for a podcast or something. So they <laughs> knew of it and then the people over to my left knew of it. It was just fun, you know, like they were showing me my Instagram and when I was Instagram live yeah. some of the stuff they were sh- they were watching it.
1: <laughs> like like b- like before they knew you were there or after.
0: Like after I was standing there. Oh,
1: okay. Wow, that's awesome. It you know, it's, it's like it's like this podcast is like I've I've often compared uh, this this you know, to Clint in that it's kind of like when you start a band and then your band gets some traction. And then when you're, when you're outside of your element and all of a sudden someone like knows who you are, it's the weirdest feeling. That's
0: what this feels like. Whenever
1: someone's like, Hey man, are you from that podcast?
0: It was pretty fun. It really was. And, and like once the sort of goofiness of that, uh, you know, went over, it just felt so fun to be amongst other diehards. And just, it kept ramping up. Like the, just it, I felt really electric. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, you're you're you've got a great rail spot. You're around a bunch of diehards. Everyone's cool, you know. The closer it gets to Jim Brewer set means the closer it gets to Metallica set. I mean, it's just nothing but anticipation.
0: Well, and just knowing that, like, you know, less than twenty four hours before, I had no idea I'd be there. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's probably it was probably a very surreal feeling, like looking around the arena, going like, "Holy shit!" Like I made it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and not only did I make it, but I have one of the best seats in the house. I'm with my friends. I'm with new new friends who were both fans of the podcast and Metallica diehards. Yeah, and just knowing just knowing that the whole night was about to unfold, you know, like it just felt great. It's and so, so awesome. I was having fun. I was having fun doing some uh, Instagram lives. You know, Jeannie was a very friendly person, so she, we were getting to know her, and she was telling us a lot about her family and her son. It her husband, they do a cool thing where I guess they get they get like a GA pass every show they want to go to. Yeah. But for some reason, they also get like lower bowl tickets. So what they do is at some point before the band comes on, her husband goes up to the Nosebleeds and finds oh, wow. a group of fans to, to give those tickets to. Just like paying
1: it forward, basically. Ex- exactly. That's so cool. Which I thought
0: was uh, super sweet, right? Wow, that's awesome. They were, re- they were really sweet people. There was a really enthusiastic young dude behind me who was doing a lot of headbanging. And his hair kept, like, whipping against my back. <laughs> I'll bet you love that. I mean, it wasn't my favorite thing, but I was, you know, I loved his passion. It it made me smile. It's kind of par for the course, yeah. too, you know. You're, you're at a metal <laughs> show. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. We were at a really unique part, though, of the rail where it basically is the rail and then maybe three or four people deep before it's the first row of the actual seats. Oh, uh, Okay. And people need to walk right there, right? So our part of the rail never got congested. No one ever pushed up against me. Oh, that's cool. It didn't It didn't feel dangerous or uncomfortable whatsoever. It felt like we were standing out by Big Mick, but we were on the fucking rail. Yeah, again. that's so awesome. I'm, I'm telling you, dude, if, if we are lucky enough to try to do that in Birmingham and Nashville, we have to go to that same spot. Like, I'm, I'm down. You. I'm,
1: I'm so down,
0: yeah. And because the boys move around so much... I mean, and I'll get into this in more detail, but al- at almost every point in the show, one of them was literally right in front of me, pretty much close enough for me to reach out and touch. Reach out and touch someone. You can you could reach out and hand uh, James some new print if you wanted to. Reach out and touch Kirk's butt. <laughs> I, I well, we were joking because you know the crew guys were giving Sarah a bunch of picks and stuff. Yeah, and I was joking about like throwing them up to the band. Like the band's always throwing picks out. Like what if I was like throwing James a pick? <laughs>
1: It, you know that, Here you go, that dude. would probably be something to get his attention to be honest he'd be like wow you're like literally
0: the first person to ever throw picks back at That's me a- <laughs> <laughs> already got that one james yeah sorry dude your crew just gave us like 50 of these yeah <laughs> um another funny thing is that shane Obershaw, our friend who's the drummer for the tribute band won. so he's friends with jimmy lars's drum tech and i guess he was texting jimmy and saying hey go go give clint you know, go give Clint some love, give him a set list and give him some picks. While I was up trying to get another beer, he came over and I wasn't there and he just gave them to Sarah. Ah. So I like missed my opportunity to like brush up against that guy, but. Gave them to Sarah to give to you? Yeah. Oh, that's good, that's good. But I wasn't there to like say hello to him. Right, right, meet him. So then later he came and gave to give me another set list, but he didn't even look at me and he gave it to Sarah. He gave her another one to give this to me. This is your friend. He's I'm probably like, standing right next to you, but give it to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why don't these guys want to talk to me? It, you know, um, it probably,
1: it's, it, it's probably like, oh, Sarah's friends with a guy from the podcast. I'm, I don't want to be on his
0: podcast. <laughs> Well, I think what it is is that she just knows these people so well because her and Pete and Aaron and all of them they they like hang out with these people, right? Yeah, of course. So, so, so to them, Sarah Sarah is a friend, to, and I'm just another butthole fan, right? Just another another p- 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 you know potentially aggro metalhead guy, exactly. So I get it. Whatever, it's fine. It's no big deal. I I do want to say thanks to Shane for. For trying to hook, you know for getting me hooked up, and I did get, I did get a bunch of picks, and uh, I did get a set list. Oh, no, that's so awesome! Maybe maybe we can give some of that stuff away at the party. Yeah, man. So then it's getting closer to uh, the Jim Brewer thing. So that started with Joe Sib, who's kind of doing DJ stuff. He came out and basically d- played played hard rock songs, yeah. real loud, right? I mean that was that was okay to me. I, I you know I'd prefer that over. Um, having like a big metal band come out and, and truly be loud in my face it was just play, he was playing like acdc and dio and uh you know he was just playing pantera and stuff and right yeah. everyone's singing along everyone's real excited so then jim comes out and it was good dude it was just sort of like metallica and metal based comedy but i was laughing pretty hard it was pretty funny he was like he's like now i know metallica haven't played here in a while and i just I don't want you guys to be shocked when you see the band. <laughs> he was like, he was like, Kirk has white hair now. First of all, he was like, <laughs> he
1: started joking about their he looks. Was like,
0: he did, dude. He was like, James looks like the guy from uh, what's that motorcycle show? Oh, Cho- the Chopper oh, show, American oh, um, Chopper. Uh, yeah, for? well, I know what you're talking about. West- He's like James looks like the guy. Yeah, West Coast Choppers or whatever. Maybe it was. so, yeah. And James does look like that guy. It's so funny. So he was curious. basically like they're they're old looking. Yeah, <laughs> he was it, like, but they're it's gonna almost kick like your when ass, I remember that you know? interview with Michael Wagner where he walks in the room and he's like, "You
1: cut your hair."
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like, dude, that he's was like twenty like, five really years ago. Like I really haven't seen you since nineteen eighty six. Like a lot of other things happened too, Michael. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I can't remember a lot of his jokes, but let me let me just say from my from my perspective, I thought the Jim Brewer thing was really cool, and he does a thing where he acknowledges like the oldest person there and that happened to be someone right behind us right so he comes down and climbs literally climbs the barricade like right in our faces like his balls and butt like grazed my face yeah which i thought was fun that was a fun experience
1: that's cool yeah i mean i I know there's been some mixed reviews on on jim's you know opening performance and stuff i've always said i'm looking forward to seeing it i'm
0: stoked i think he's funny and i think it's a good way to get the crowd hyped for the show since there's no, opening I think you're band. gonna like. I think you're gonna like it. I, I think he did a great job. I'm not sure people knew. I'm not sure people know what to do with it. I think even the. I think they like it because he's charming and funny, and the jokes are kind of based around Metallica. He's not like doing a normal twenty minutes of just generic stand-up. Right now, I did miss some of it because I did have to go. I wanted to make sure I was all pee PP'd out, and I was going to grab another beer. The line was really super insane long. I ended up bailing on the beer. So I missed whatever came after that. They had one of the crew guys, I believe it was a lighting director. He was like, you guys aren't going to believe this. So I guess a few weeks ago, Jim threw like a party for the crew and part of it was like a talent show type thing. Oh, wow. And so this dude got up and I guess he must have sang Highway to Hell. He sounded exactly like Bon Scott. Really? And you know, Bon Scott's got a pretty unique voice that not a lot of people sound like that. It's not, and it's not easy to do that, too. I mean, that's, it's right. straight up a gr- like
1: scratchy, growly voice the whole
0: time. So he had that dude sing "Highway to Hell," and it was just, you know, Sarah and I were just looking at each other in amazement because if you wow. closed your eyes, it sounded like Bon Scott. Yeah, and it was just funny that he got that dude involved like that. So I ended up missing whatever was after that, but I know that he didn't do the trivia that he normally does. So the trivia that he normally does, which by the way, you and I need to be prepared for in case something happens in Nashville. Right. I'm, I don't. I don't know if anything's going to happen, but it, he he basically gives you a song and you have to with one word give the person a clue to name the song. And then however many of those you get in a row, like you have to get a certain amount to win.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, we've talked so, about that. I mean, like it seems like it'd be an easy thing, but then like the pressure of standing in front of a, a huge arena, you, you would right. It be easy to buckle too.
0: Yeah. And then there's just all this other pressure on us. Cause like, Oh, because no one's going to be impressed that we have a Metallica punk podcast. In fact, they're gonna be like, Oh, let's see how well they know their stuff. Yeah. The, and I'll, it's like, we'll see about yeah, this. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but anyway, the, my whole takeaway from the gym thing is that it was super fun and I thought it was great. And, you know, f- we've heard from everyone who's seen this. We've done a Metal Tales for every show. So I feel like I've almost even heard it get tighter, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah, I, mean, I, he, think, I mean, just like a band, I mean, he's going he's gonna to find his groove, you know, he's going to find exactly. the things that work, the jokes that don't work and, you know, cater towards different cities if the vibe is weird, you know, oh, let's not do trivia tonight or what? who knows.
0: At one point, Joe Sib did come up on the stage, and he, he gives a, um, some nosebleed tickets away, too, to the floor. Oh, cool. So it, the spirit of it was very um, generous and fun and exciting, and you could just tell there was a lot of love, and that particularly with Jim, you know, that he's just a huge fan, that he's, he's still excited like we are that we're going to see Metallica that night. I'm sure he still probably sits backstage for a show going, I can't believe I'm opening for Metallica. <laughs> I think he watches every show. I would. Uh, because I've seen, like, um, videos of, like, the Sarah Caravan. Let's refer, from here, henceforth, refer to their whole deal as the Sarah Caravan. The Sarah Caravan. The Sarah Van? Yeah. The Sarah Van? Is that better than the Sarah Caravan? The, the Sarah Van sounds good. All right, Sarah Van. Um, I've seen, like, video of them, like, jamming with him during True. Like, he's kind of out with the fans a little bit over by Big Mick. So yeah, that's cool. His, his true fandom is pretty palpable. And I, I, I particularly find that... Uh, Pretty cool and inspiring. Me so I'm, I'm with you. So he and he does this stuff where he comes up and then he kind of splits for a minute and then Joe Sib plays like songs. So he it's interesting the pacing of it. So I guess he leaves for the last time and he goes. The next time you see me, Metallic, I'll be bringing Metallica on stage. Yeah. So he he I guess he goes and gets the boys. Okay, it's uh, kind of
1: part of his MC duties or, or whatever. Like I maybe mean, it's just right. part of the agreement. Like hey, when you're done, you come back. And, and the, I mean, is it so at this point? Are any screens on? Like any of the cubes projecting anything? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, no, 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 no. The the cubes are not only not on, but they have them. They're kind of set up in a way to where you can't really tell what they are. Okay. So I imagine, I imagine your average Metallica fan who's just like a normal, hardworking dude or lady who got tickets and maybe they haven't seen Metallica in ten years. They and they maybe they're they're not like on the forums every day like me because I'm an idiot. They might have not even known that those were cubes that were going to be interactive in the show. Didn't even so know that cubes, it was part of the production. Exactly. So what they have, the only thing they had during Jim's thing is they had the four these four screens. That it's like a hockey arena, right? So they had those kind of four things. Those ended up going away for the show, but but Jim had content on there. Like he he played a medley of like Maiden and and Priest, and like the words were on there for people to sing with them. Okay, and cool. Like, you know, like Walk by Pantera, and it was okay. like three spec so you're talking well, about that that center thing in like a hockey game where like they have like the score
1: and like you can watch okay yeah. and that's in the end yeah, yeah, those yeah. things were tracked up into the ceiling and stuff
0: exactly and so but you know i was definitely looking at the the cubes like i i was kind of in awe for a lot of it and like you know you and i kind of having a more inside perspective on this kind of work i was just really fascinated by a lot of what other people might consider boring about it like watching security watching the techs get things ready Looking at the word wedges, the monitors. They had these cameras uh, that Wes was telling me about. There's cameras on each word wedge, so that the monitor engineers who are not out on the floor anywhere can see the faces of all the players in case something needs to change. So,
1: uh, okay, so Heffield could look down and like you know point to his guitar and, and want some more guitar, and exactly, yeah, that's or he smart. could, you
0: know, th- those guys get such a. Uh, you know, a vernacular and a language together that he could even just raise his left eyebrow or something, because here's another thing that I noticed during the show, and I apologize to our listeners for jumping around, but I just want to make sure I cover all the stuff as it comes to me. Right. So the boys are running around. They're in the round, right? So there's essentially four front rows plus all the corners. Well, there is a personal uh, bodyguard that follows each of them wherever they go. Oh, and yeah. And they're facing the crowd, so they're facing me. So when James is in my corner, there's a big, mean mugging-looking guy oh, facing yeah. out with the with the full-on dead inside thousand-yard stare. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is required to be one of those guys. Oh yeah, it that, is. That dude it, needs to be ready to rock if someone's going to try to do yes, some pull ex- some bullshit.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and some people might think like, why would those guys need security like for each one of them? And you know, but in those situations with a band that big, I mean, you've got you know thousands of people like pushing up against that rail like it's not that hard for a bunch of people to jump over it
0: well and you know people are disturbed some 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 of them obviously most of us aren't but some people are weird or they get drunk or they have an agenda or they they want to hurt somebody or they want to cause trouble and you just have to be you know those dudes need protection and uh right i'll tell you what was really impressive about it dude was so but so it's me a, a, a rail which is basically a barricade and then maybe the length of two people and then the stage. What was really impressive is the the grace of which they all flowed. Because you got Rob's guy, Kirk's guy, um, Rob's guy and Kirk's guy and James's guy all sort of running past each other all night, right? Yeah. And then not only do they have the bodyguard type guy, there's another guy that seems like I don't really know what he was doing, but there are these little stoops, if on the other side of the rail, so my arms are on the rail. The other side of it, there are these, like, stoops that you can stand on. Yeah. Now, there was another guy who would come and sit on that and fa- and just be, you know, intensely focused on whoever it was, James Kirk or whoever. And they each had their own guy doing that, too. Yeah. So I don't know if that was, like, a backup monitor-type guy. Maybe. But they were, looking at, they were looking at the artist, and then security guy, of course, is looking out at crowd.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could have been a thing where uh, that could have been the um – the uh, venue security guy who's like with the tour, who's the one that meets with local security and stuff. And he could have been kind of just going around in different posts just to make sure like they're good. I don't know. Or it could have been a, a monitor tech that was like, you know, Hey, I think James made a weird face like, go check on him. You know?
0: Well, he, I know that he was watching the, the, the band members and not the security guys. Right. And then of course there is, lo- there's local security, venue security, all in one position, you know, in the same position. Yes. But but they would have obviously Metallica crew security following each member. I just, uh, you know, to me, what was just so impressive was how seamlessly it flowed. Like I was honing in on shit like that because it's what we do for a living. Sure. Yeah. But, but, but they're so good at it that you hardly see it if, if you're not looking for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, those security guys are, they're, they're they're trained well to do these kinds of things and and to, to be in places where you don't expect them or, or to all of a sudden, you're standing there, you look to your left, and all of a sudden
0: there's a security guard that just appeared out of nowhere. You know, they got to follow their guy. And I, and I got to give the same props to all the tech guys Chad, um, James's tech, um, Zach, Robert's tech, and and especially Jimmy, uh, who does Lars, because several times Jimmy has to actually run on stage to either put Lars's you know seltzer water up or f- fix a cable or. Yeah give him new sticks if something gets fucked up with sticks or if large throws of sticks and jim jimmy running on and off the stage was really graceful and another thing that really impressed me about jimmy was you know he's what your job when you're tech and you know this ethan mm-hmm. is you have to whoever you're teching for you have to literally watch them the whole show oh yeah yeah you're not there to like enjoy the show
1: like it, well I gave, right. him, I gave him his guitar he, he'll be fine you know, no. I mean, even some of the stuff I've done, it's like, there's no guitar changes, but you still have to keep an eye on your guy or, or, you, have or your them, you have to watch him.
0: You have to watch him the whole time. You can't be looking at the crowd. You can't be looking at your phone or watch. It's, it's a, that's your show too. Yeah. Even when, and, you're, even uh, when
1: you're tuning their next guitar, you're kind of looking right. at your tuner and you keep looking up, keep looking up.
0: Yep. Yeah, Cause you just never know when something's going to go yep. wrong. And, totally. uh, and if you, and if, and I'll get to it, but a few things did go wrong. Um, but what I liked about Jimmy is so, of course, he's professionally and intensely looking at Lars. But like he was kind of getting into it, like he, like you know, like during fuel, he was kind of like, I don't know, he was kind of like having a good time, Like bobbing his just, head and stuff. Yeah, like and and it almost felt like almost in a way being encouraging of Lars. Yeah, that's because cool. so obviously Lars is communicating with Jimmy too non-verbally. They're looking at each other and they've got their own vocabulary also. But I liked that Jimmy didn't seem cynical or over it he he seemed like he seemed like he loved his job i guess is what i'm saying
1: yeah that's awesome i mean yeah you'll see texts like that that are kind of like bobbing their head to the song and and they're also like not taking focus off their guy right um you know you can tell by their body language like they're they're either way into this or they're just they're miserable you know
0: right and he had a really good vibe and you know i was pointing out to sarah you know his road case for lars that has like you know, like WD forty and Lars's seltzer water crap and just general drum accoutrements. Sure, is one of the OG um, Binge and Purge cases. Oh, that's cool. I was like, oh, this is just just the magic of the whole story, just yeah. in little details like that. Like, oh, oh you my know, gosh, like, yeah, they're like little talismans or something. Yeah, absolutely. So, and good God, we're forty five minutes in here. I haven't even talked about Metallica yet. So, um, <laughs> so. They go away, and Sarah's like, "That was it, you know. He's going to come back, and they're going to do long way to the top." So Jim comes out and does that, and then of course there's XC of Gold, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, is we're going to find out tomorrow and Thursday is every bit as thrilling. It's such a great opening song.
1: Yeah, it it never gets old. You know, I often ask a lot of the guests on the Metal Tales episodes how that song makes them feel when they go see Metallica, whether it's their fiftieth show or their second show or hundredth show, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's just like." It's automatic now. It's just part of Metallica now.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's fun hearing everyone sing it, you know. I'm not really big into that myself, but I like being around it. I like hearing everybody getting sure. excited. Like, a lot of people around me, because, of course, I'm on the rail with a bunch of diehards. So, a lot of them were singing, like, all the hooks and stuff. And uh, that's not really how I rock a show. But I did, like, I liked hearing it. Was, it made me smile, you know. even yeah. some some of, some of the dudes around me were singing louder than the goddamn band. So... <laughs> But the spirit was good, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know.
1: Th- so, this is
0: a good setup for setless world here. So we're so basically, if I lean over the rail a little bit, okay, and look right, I'm seeing Lars's world, uh, which I see Jimmy, his tech, in his tech's world, and then Lars has this kind of little square-looking bungalow that looks like it kind of goes under the stage, where he goes a few times during the show. Yeah. I don't know what he does down there. Maybe he's got a, a masseuse or someone who kind of rubs some stuff on his shoulders, uh, but he dips into that thing a few times, but but a little past that, I'm again. I'm he leaned over, looking to the right, is where the boys come from backstage. Oh, cool! And I, so Chad, James's tech, walks by me holding the Black Vulture, Ooh, which nice. is what which is what James plays on um, Hardwired and Atlas. And even just seeing that gave me, you know, like I'm like looking at Sarah, like, oh,
1: it's about it's to happen.
0: The and then. You know, all the boys are magic to me, but you know, seeing James put that guitar on, like he's not quite on stage yet. Yeah, you know, the XC at Gold still playing. So you can see like, well, actually
1: see the guys in the band getting like putting their guitars yeah. on. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah, well, Robert walked by us. You know, so to so Robert to go to his station to get, to walk on for the intro to Hardwired, he walks by us and he get. You know, we we gave him a five and. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then I guess Kirk goes the opposite way. So it's really James and Lars at the point that I'm looking at. And they're just, you know, you can see it. I mean, it looks real serious. They're, like, getting ready to rock. They're not fucking around. And uh, Right. And they probably come at the back of the stage. Well, they all have kind of positions. Right. Because, you know, the it's in the round. Like, in the stadium, the, the stage kind of butted up against a bunch of unsold, against, against a bunch of empty seats. So there was, like, a backstage. Right. There's not really a backstage at this gig. They have to be walked into the center of the arena, and uh, then they're yeah, kind of waiting there in, in these barricades. Okay. You can you can just see them. I mean, there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah, for sure. I think that's why Lars has a little area. little tent. But anyway... So anyway, XEA Gold stops, and of course you know it's coming up. It, I don't remember this from the stadium, although it must have been the case, but they fade the intro tape to hardwire it up. It starts yeah. real low. Yeah, they did they ed- did in the stadium, too. They did? Okay. Yeah,
1: because that's when they started projecting all the like uh, imagery from the
0: hardwire with all the right. overlap, double exposure photos and stuff. I guess it's true. I can't imagine them just like blasting it at full volume, but uh and you know they've got it dialed in the timing dialed in perfectly you you can you i watched lars do it like you can see him he's like looking down in the dark and then there's a moment where it's like it's fucking go time and they all walk up and they hit that you know da da da, boom. Ah, yep. da, 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 da. and you know it's the first time that the first time the lights come on and you see him there's really there's that's a highlight of the show you know and For you just sure, know you're on, yeah. you're on a two-hour ride and I do have to say dude where we are it doesn't sound great. It was I figured, yeah. It was kind of muffled you're kind and, of under uh, the PA at that point too. You well I looked up at the, it was during maybe the first minute of hardwired where I was like just looking for the physics of the situation and we are definitely under and a little bit in fr- like in front of the PA, like meaning the sound waves that are blasting out of it are behind us.
1: Yeah, they're just going o- over and behind you.
0: Now, what they have, and they had this in the Snake Pit, is there's a little monitor that faces the crowd. Yeah. But I don't think that was on. I I, I think there was a problem where that wasn't on right where we were. Uh, because okay. Like, I remember in the Snake Pit, the volume wasn't super loud, but it was really clear. And that's kind of their way of, you know, like making up for the audio.
1: It's the same idea as a side fill, but it, it
0: just exactly. it goes uh, aims to the crowd just to kind of compensate
1: for how the speaker configuration is above you.
0: But I... But I don't think ours was on. I really, I don't, I don't know if that's intentional or not. But well, you're close enough to Rob
1: to ask somebody about it. You should have asked (laughs) him.
0: Hey, Rob, is this on? Excuse me, Uh, excuse me, Robert. Robert, can you put your bass
1: down for just a second? (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear out of that speaker system.
0: And like, I'll describe it this way: like it, it was still exhilarating and loud and fun. But if the boys weren't facing me, like if they were kind of on the other side, and it, and for whatever reason, I couldn't see their hands or see James's face. I had a hard time figuring out where they were in the song. Yeah. Wow, okay. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. It, it wasn't like a big sloppy mess. It was better than that, but it it was a little um, disorienting for me if I couldn't really see their hands. Sure, of course, yeah. And I will say, I don't know if I got used to it or if it improved, but not long after that, maybe four or five songs, and I didn't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, you probably just got used to it, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I ears, think I just kind of...
1: adapted and...
0: Yeah, I think I just kind of started to understand what the show was going to be and started to have fun. For sure. Now, I was really encouraged to see that for Hardwired and Atlas, a lot of enthusiasm from the crowd, which I thought was really cool. Good,
1: yeah. I mean, what is the, was it the first time in 11 years they've been to Little Rock?
0: It, something like that, yeah. yeah. The, it, Lars ended up saying at the end when he split, but I, w- I didn't really pay much attention to that, but... um. It was cool to see them. Now, I was still kind of in shock a little bit because see, I don't get like starstruck or anything, but just those dudes mean so much to me and that music is so important to yeah. me that even even all these years later, even being at my age and seeing having seen a lot of stuff and been at, and near a lot of famous people and all that stuff, the first 10 minutes or so for me were kind of like jaw on the floor. You in awe. You know? And just so grateful, and, you know what I mean. Just a lot of
1: emotions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even honestly, even at the stadium gig, like when I saw Philly before we all went to Detroit, I was ba- I was way in the back where Big Mick is, and that's not close. And I remember when the the each spotlight came on each of the dudes. I remember having that same feeling of like, wow, there they are. Oh my
0: gosh, you know. I I can't describe for you how much more exhilarating it is when you're on the rail. Like yeah, I'm sure. I really understood last night um, the caravan, which van, the yeah. Saravan they, they're they're basically a template for all the crazy people that do that because it's, it's not just those seven people you know like a, I think they sold 250 of those black tickets right yeah um, I got, I understood why they go to as many shows as they do because that experience is just indescribable on sure
1: yeah of course so
0: that's so cool. And what, so, moving right along, um not much to say about those two tunes, other than that they were good, and I was still kind of adjusting to the sound, sure yeah. um the band looks great james so so he's got the kind of funny mustache now the the handlebar stuff, yeah. But he looks badass. He he's hair's getting longer. Yeah, he's starting to kind of look like Load James, it, dude. That's exactly what I was gonna say. And you and all of our listeners know that makes Clint Boy real happy. <laughs> and you know he's a big guy. He's real tall and big. Yeah, and he he cuts this like kind of intense swath. Like he he's definitely a rock star. Yes. Like, he was just, you know, like, Kirk is too. They, they all are. But Kirk has got a very sweet vibe about him. Like, he rocks. I mean, he, he looked intense, too. Like, by the way, just as an aside, Kirk kicked ass all night. He looked great, and he sounded fucking great. At one awesome. point, I looked at Sarah. I was like, man, Kirk. I think it was after the hit the light solo. I was like, man, Kirk is just playing his ass off tonight. He just really was great. And it, it made me feel like... Scrutinizing all the videos all the time is just such bullshit because you can't replace what it's like to be there in the room and feel the air pushing. Yes, you know? exactly.
1: It's a whole different it's, it's a whole different sound too. I mean when you when you watch the, the clips they put on Instagram or whatever on YouTube, you know, you're getting the the board mix, which is then not not a board mix, but a Pro Tools mix that, you know I'm not sure if Fiddleman is still mixing all that stuff or not, but um, he, they are
0: well. It's not fiddleman, but it's like his, it's his, his team. team, yeah.
1: Which yeah. I mean, those mixes sound good, but when you're listening on
0: your phone, it's like you can you can almost hear any little imperfection sometimes. Well, and it's total bullshit. It just is. I mean, it's it's an approximation of what's really happening in the room, and, and it's just it's easy to forget that. Like I'm not trying to be that hard on anybody, but even for you and I, when we talk about like, oh, his tone was really like dry or clean, or right. I wish they, you know, in the room there's a lot of ambience, and. Anyway, he sounded great, but that's awesome. But James, but James is just a total fucking rock star, and he had some, you know, he had some humor in him. There was like a lightness about him. Right. But when he was rocking, and when he was like singing, spit out the bone right in front of me, and when he was doing the machine gun riff to one, literally right in front of me, Ethan, I, I, I could almost reach out and touch him. Um, <laughs> the it security was, guy would love that. It was literally no fucking joke. That guy. Yeah the passion he loves and, him. he's intense and, and at one point sarah said she was like you know i just love watching him perform like he he really is magnetic yeah so anyway um the so i just have a note to say that the boys looked great um i have a, a say especially het so he played that um that vulture for those first couple of tunes yeah. and then they do seek and destroy and james is playing the camo snake bite for that now oh really not the v which is no, he's playing the. Yeah, he's not. He plays the V later for the for the thrash. The slot. Uh,
1: the, the uh, Electra replica.
0: Yes, he yeah. played that for Spit. Um, but yeah, yeah, he was playing the Camo Snake Bite for Sabbath True um, on the Stadium Tour. Yeah, I find that interesting because you know Sabbath True is a whole step down in D, and I imagine it's got to be set up for that. So I don't know if he's got multiple Camo Snake Bites or they reset it up to be. Oh you oh you know what I just realized this. Did you know they play Seek a whole step down now? Yeah, I, I knew that. It's been like that for a while, I believe. So anyway, that solved, that solved the riddle right there. So that guitar is a whole step down. That's why he plays it on Seek. Right. I, you already knew that, though? I didn't know that.
1: I noticed that I think around the time we, we were going to the stadium shows. I you, that, you noticed it just by hearing it? I heard it. And I was like, it just sounds different to me. And then I just grabbed, I was like sitting at home watching it on YouTube or whatever and grabbed my guitar. I was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's tuned differently.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, you're you uh, kudos to you for that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> um, I have that. Kirk sounded great on the solo. Uh, not a lot to say about that. It was business as usual. You yeah. know, James kind of. I will. I will refer now to what's called the magic trick. Okay, the band says things in the show that they that we know they say at every show. Of course, but to the people that haven't seen all that who live normal lives. There's the magic trick. We do it with Rodney. You're going to do it with Need to Breathe. You, yeah. Every band does it. Um, you know, James, after Atlas, James is like, uh, that's from a record called Hard Ride to Self-Destruct. We're going to be playing new stuff. We're going to be playing stuff in the middle of our career. And he's like, if you're lucky, we might even be playing, playing some old stuff. And, of course, the crowd, full of, you know, trues, goes crazy. Oh, it's all magic and wonder to them. And then And then he plays Seek, you know? It's like... He kind of teased him, like maybe if you're lucky, later we'll play some old stuff. And then he plays a song from their first record. Oh, dude! I mean, crowd, crowd tricks, man. Total magic trick. I love it. Oh yeah, I love the magic trick. Oh,
1: who, who, who doesn't?
0: Honey, who doesn't love? Who doesn't love some magic at your kid's birthday? Listen, I love David Blaine, David Copperfield, really any David,
1: Sig. Any David who does magic and Penn and Teller and James Hetfield.
0: How about the guy who a tiger ate him? He played with it. He did magic with a tiger. I think that was Roy. Were they magicians too, or were they just tiger? Were they just tiger whisperers? Illusionists, <laughs> honey, they make illusions. It's not magic. It's a big Vegas thing. Oh, I love Vegas with the pyramids. It's in the desert and it gets cold at night, but you can just warm yourself with the slot machines. I smoke a hundred. I smoke a pack of Virginia Slims, and I have about seventeen cocktails, and I don't remember going to bed. You know, I like going
1: to New York, New York, because it's not far from New Jersey.
0: Oh, honey, New York, New York, it's my favorite song by Billy Joel.
1: Oh, who doesn't love Billy Joel, the piano you know what? man?
0: It, it doesn't matter where I am in the whole wide world, I'm always in a New York state of mind, honey, please. Amen, amen, Joyce. So, um, so Speaking of through the never. <laughs> yeah, so then, then's kind of like the fourth slot, which is we don't really know. It's either going to be holier than thou. It might be cyanide. It might be uh, the day that never comes. Earlier in the tour, it was No Leaf Clover, Unforgiven 3. Later, uh, before they went on break on the holiday, it was like Leper Messiah, No More. So that's an exciting slot. Now, I have to say, out of all those songs, I was really, really stoked to get through the Never. Yeah. When I saw the set list, I was pretty stoked for you. I had never seen it live. And it's one of my favorite songs with the Black Album. And uh, they do like a cool kind of intro where James and Lars kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's pretty cool. It's a good little tease. Yeah, and then you know, then he launches into that kind of spider riff, kind of similar to puppets, and it was just a treat, man. They sounded tight, and every you could really tell the first Black Album song. I'm telling you, dude, more so than the stadiums, you really start to understand the power of the Black Album in these kinds of shows. Right? Yeah, all the Black Album stuff was just dialed up. Big time in terms of crowd reaction. Yeah, good, good. So even through The Never, which I, I think we could put that in the deep cut column of Black Album, right? Yeah, I think so. It's not Inner Sandman. It's not Sabbath True. It's not Rome. It's not Nothing Else Matters. And it's not... Uh, I'm, I'm missing a, f- a fifth song, that song. Did I say sad? Anyway, I would put that in the deep cut column. Everyone went real nuts for that song. Me and Sarah high-fived. Um let's see here. I can't read my handwriting. (laughs) Oh, during the, um, uh, I think during the bridge part, James was like right in front of us, you know, like you could just see the sweat fall off of him. And I will say several times during this show, all right, let me just go ahead and say this. One time when James was over there, he literally looked at me and we had a moment and he smiled at me. Unless you think I'm making it all up, <laughs> Sarah nudged me and goes, He just smiled at you. And I was like, He totally did. Another time, he winked at Sarah. Now, Jeannie, the sweet lady next to me, was pretty sure he winked at her. <laughs> Sarah was pretty sure that she he winked at her. But so, he definitely smiled at you. Oh, no question who he smiled at. He was probably now, like, Oh, it's the guy from
1: Up Your Podcast.
0: I mean, I don't know. I I didn't look like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I st- poked out. I don't. Who knows, dude? Who or knows he was like in this crazy the Rodney world. Atkins, guitar player, is here. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! He goes and tells his tech. He's like, "Hey, make sure you ask him if we can get tickets to the next dude, show." You're not going to believe who's over there. They're ne- the next time they're in Vail, I need to. I need to get some. I need to go in and say hi to them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but just those kinds of interactions happen a lot, just because when the band comes over there and they look up from their guitars, they're looking right into our fucking, you know, doe-eyed faces. Exactly. Because <laughs> we're all going, uh, Kirk, James. you're James Hetfield. Yeah. <laughs> Do that's, you know who you are? That's, you're, Jeffield, you're James Hetfield,
1: baby. You're going to play.
0: Man. Um, you a little bit doing a little Guns N' Roses there? Uh, I was trying to a hope. little Welcome to the Jungle, uh, but
1: I was trying to adapt, and I, I was just It was just pretty trying to, good. Trying to it was okay. It wasn't my best. <laughs> it was pretty good, dude.
0: The, 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 <laughs> the ending wasn't great. You're gonna play. I don't want to see you're gonna die. Um, right? Because we don't want that. At least not yet. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that James is over like in our world singing some of that, and um, which you know I gotta say, and I'm not being hard on anybody. This is not uh, a prescriptive indictment this is me describing a philosophy i have okay when they're in front of you like that i understand how tempting it is to want to take your phone out and take a picture but i telling you and sarah can vouch for me i didn't do it the whole time i i did it one time and i'll tell you why and you'll understand why Okay. but I, i did only do it literally one time and um there's so many people around us dude i couldn't believe it Just all on their phones when the van first came out there were people holding their phones over my head with like their flash thing their light ah, on because so it was dark stupid. and i was like it really was disturbing me like do like, you think your little flash is going to light up this whole arena but it wasn't even the exactly it wasn't like the flash it was like the flash because it was on the whole time right yeah and i just thought you know i want people to I want people to experience the show however they want. It's not up to me to decide how people can do that. That goes without saying. But it really was distracting and kind of bullshitty, and I yeah. wish people wouldn't do it. So that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Um, the next song was The Unforgiven. Now, this was a, there was an interesting thing that happened here. So Chad, uh, James's tech, brings that acoustic out that's like on the stand. You sure, know? yeah,
1: yeah. The, the uh, v- so very Variax? Very it's a
0: Variax, right. Yeah. And, and for people who don't know what that is, It's a guitar that's run off MIDI cues, so what that means is Chad's able to dial in a nylon string sound, or a 12-string, or a a steel string, but it's doubled. Right, yeah. He's basically able to model any kind of acoustic, which just, it just makes sense for that kind of live application.
1: Yeah, for that size of band, it's like, yeah, he could have out a 12-string and a nylon string or
0: whatever he needs, but... Well, I mean, because for for example, the intro to Fade to Black yep. is a six string acoustic, okay? But the verses are a twelve string. Yes, exact That's exactly what I was going to say. And so it just makes sense. And and honestly, Ethan, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I think it sounds pretty damn good. I think it does too. It, 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 at no point is
1: is it bugged me. I, I, I think like, it, I think it's very fitting for the songs.
0: Like, there's no reason for anyone to ever make a record with that crap. Sure, but live instead of worrying about a bunch of different guitars or tuning a fucking 12-string, which I own a 12-string... It sucks. Restringing and tuning that is just a uh, capital B, biatch. Yep. So anyway, they bring that out, and me and Sarah are like, hmm, is it going to be Fade to Black? Is it going to be uh, Unforgiven? You know, Santerian. we didn't know. So then we hear kind of the intro tape, and it's 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 clearly the Unforgiven. Could have um, been
1: Unforgiven too, though.
0: Well, it's the...
1: It's the same on the first two, though. It's, a, it's the trumpet and the little snare roll.
0: No, no, no. They have, like, um, they used old stems that didn't get put on the Black Album, and they have oh, a new you're intro. Right. You're right. And it's do it's doing things that, I, I can't sing it to you, but it's clearly hallmarks of the first Unforgiven. Right, right, okay. Now, you do hear the the horn, okay? And this, is, this is, was the first kind of hiccup of the night. And it's super mild, but you hear the horn, right? And the horn ends with that, like, tom hit or snare hit. Yeah, it's like a loud snare hit,
1: and, a, and that's and when a James bell. Is
0: supposed to be going. Is it a snare hit? There's,
1: there's like, there's like a because it's the it's end, the ending, the ending of the drum roll, and you kind of hear that bell too, at
0: least on the record. Right. It's just real clearly the point where you're supposed to hear James go bow diggy dagu do dagu dagoo diggy. You know. Yep. And 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 right when that happens too, when he's supposed to do that, like on cue, a spotlight hit that guitar. No, James. Oh. <laughs> and it, it wasn't real long after that just a, just a few seconds but he comes up and of course me not having seen any of these shows i don't know but sarah's like oh i've never seen that before so it was a total hiccup like he just didn't get on stage in time just for whatever get, reason he just didn't get to his cue in time and yeah but it, it wasn't a big deal like the track kind of ended and then that spotlight stayed there and he just walked over and started playing it it was cool you, you know? know i think if, if someone hadn't seen that, per- that performance online they wouldn't know any different I, I wouldn't have i mean I kind of felt like, hmm, he wasn't there when the spotlight came on. But if Sarah hadn't said, "Oh, that's weird," I never, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Right? Um, they play "Unforgiven," and it was about this moment. So we're one. So we're hardwired. Atlas seek five stars in. This is when I I looked at Sarah and I was like, I'm having fun now. Like my sort of, um, my sort of uh, your awe moment is now dying exactly. a little bit. I, exactly. I had settled in the show. I'm starting to sing along with the lyrics. Uh, I'm just grinning ear to fucking ear Kirk by yeah. the way for the song is playing his 2 million dollar greenie, les paul ooh and he can't, he didn't play the solo right in front of us but he you know at the end when he when James is doing the echoey things and Kirk goes yeah. bow down now do, bow down do, do. he was doing that right in front of us and I just thought I can't believe I'm that close, not even to, not not just Kirk, but I'm, I can't believe I'm that close to this guitar.
1: Yeah, I'm that close to... it
0: It's just such uh, a famous guitar. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And it sounds great. I can't tell you, man. I can't wait for you to hear it, dude. Yeah, uh, I'm, tomorrow. I'm saying, I'm, hey, man, tomorrow night. He, he sound The tone was great, and he played his freaking butt off. Okay, moving on. Anything to say here? Uh... Um, now that we're dead was next okay now here's here's some new info about that um the cubes the drum things are in the cubes and they come up immediately so they're there for the whole song yeah okay whereas i guess what they were doing in europe where james fell into the damn hole is after the second chorus after the solo when the drum circle starts that's when they would come up Uh, okay yeah yeah, okay because it was kind of this big like ooh moment like ooh, what are those what's this but I think just to keep it safe they just bring them up before the song starts and they're just there <laughs> right but it's cool because they're the cubes you know and there's like there's like hardwired looking info on the cubes which by the way let me talk about the cubes for a second I'm not sure at what point the cubes start moving it's not during hardwired it might be two or three songs in when you're on the rail, they're right above you like if the, if one of them fell it would fall onto my head and it would kill me right <laughs> right and so that's the first thing to note. The second thing is they move really fast. They move, they're super agile.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess they, did, they have very powerful motors. Because when I was with Kings, we had some stuff that moved in the truss, but it was very slow. It's kind of meant to happen in between songs. And I, I've seen some footage of these things. They go up and down pretty damn quick.
0: Well, they go up and down and they go back and forward. So they're able to create it, they 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 look like they're doing kind of different things all night. Like, yeah. Sometimes they line up and they're in this like even line, and sometimes they're all jagged. Sometimes they form these like really weird clusters. Cool. Sometimes they come real low and then go high and they move in and out. It's it's pre- pretty it's f- pretty fucking impressive. It's, I gotta it's say it's
1: pretty cool production. That I mean I I mean
0: at a lot of festivals I've been to this and that I've never s- seen anything like it. Well, and I think what's interesting about not having sort of more traditional big screens is I, I like that it's sort of a de-emphasis on screens. Yeah. Cuz they like are they the, are little screens, but nothing but, like but the stadium. Because they're so small and because they don't ever make up a big picture, you're not tempted, your eye line you're you're not like drawn to it. What the stage, and I'm sure this was intentional with whoever the production manager was or artist was who did it. The way it's all set up, you're drawn to the stage and to the band members. Yeah, that's. I'm sure that was the point from the from the get go too. And I, I kind of dig it. It's like it ties into maybe some sort of the dystopian themes of the record, of like, uh, especially like spit out the bone, like sort of the dystopian themes of the technology. And it kind of gets it back to feeling more like the way it used to be. You're you're, you're more drawn to the performers. That's you know? cool.
1: Yeah, especially if you're not on your phone. <sighs>
0: okay um now the song now that you're dead is great and by the way another just general point I'll make James's vocals were great awesome strong powerful he hit all the notes he needed to hit he seemed comfortable and at ease he didn't seem stressed out or like shit I wish I hadn't written this when I written this high shit when I was <laughs> yeah, 24 exactly. he did it he made a few. Um, melody changes like during Puppets like the choruses of Puppets are really high yeah yeah they are he did he did some different stuff there and I think maybe even in a little bit in Creeping Death but for the most part especially on the new stuff he just sounded as good as ever to me great um, so awesome so this song kicked ass he played that black truckster now he's got some new graphics on the he used to have like got riff on it or something sure yeah he's got some newer stuff kind of under where the pickups are I couldn't figure out what it was I'm sure uh, okay. someone will write in but something about riffs or something it's it's cool i mean that's not my favorite looking guitar but i was noticing how like beat up and fucked up it looks in person yeah i bet that's a pretty bitching like master built esp guitar like the one he plays oh yeah for sure i oh so one of the things that (laughs) one of the things that um rob's tech when he came over and kind of leaned over in my world and kind of you know obstructed my view a little bit to talk to Sarah like they he was talking to Sarah casually while Metallica's playing a loud show as if they were in a coffee shop <laughs> so he hey, had his so ears out doing? yeah he really was and I guess what he was telling her was hey at the Birmingham show if you guys get there early enough I'll let you come over the railing, and take a picture with all the guitars oh cool like when he walked away she like told me what he told her I was like man you're a fucking superstar over here seriously that, don't they know who I am god damn it that's Sarah Van is no joke Man, yeah, that's true, man. The reign of the Saravan, good grief. All right, um, moving on. Oh, so the drum circle. All right, let's have that out. Let's yeah, talk how, that Yeah, through. how would you feel about it this time? I, I thought it was great, dude. I loved it. It's super fun. It's definitely shorter. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they were getting feedback on the stadium tour or if they're getting kind of tired of it, but it's, it's definitely more... Um, Efficiently done. It seems smoother. They get in and out of it, which with much more grace. That's good. That's good. And it sounded great, dude. I mean, it sounded when when James is going ba 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 click, yeah, because like, he re- he resets the you know the the the, the pattern, they, yeah, they, right. They clicks. Uh, I thought it was real bitching, and then like when he gets back on his guitar, he kind of does the Jimmy Page. He like instead of with a bow, he's like playing his guitar with a stick. Yep. And then he throws <laughs> those out, which those are that's some. Those are some fun collectibles. If you get the one that he played his, you know, played with. Those sticks, are the uh, which,
1: those are like the thicker ones. They're almost like marching sticks. I've got one of those. I don't think. Yeah. It, I don't think it was played during the show, but I've got one of those from the. It's the uh, white one. Yep,
0: exactly. But I thought it was cool. As they get it out of it. Kirk nailed the solo. It sounded great. He did his whole like, if you want to live, first you have to die thing, which yeah. I, I'm really not a big fan of because I don't understand what he means. But what was funny about that is when he was doing his. Again, talking about the magic trick here, I saw Robert looking at Lars and smiling and Rob was like miming the script Ma- oh, to yeah. Lars. Oh I've I have so done that numerous times when I when, I, I have that's what oh, I loved so about funny. it. I, it was like, oh, these dudes really are just kind of like normal musician yeah, types. Yeah, totally. And he was doing it discreetly. Like, he was obviously not making fun of James or anything like that. He was just having fun with it with Lars. Yeah, that's cool. I just cool. thought that was, for lack of a better word, I thought it was cute there. Very I said it. in, It's a very endearing moment. It's a very rom-com moment. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, it's basically the when Harry met Sally moment of the whole show. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. That, of course I do. Okay, now moving into Creeping Death, um, which i i made a poor call i'm glad only sarah heard it so uh zach robstech handed him the Jocko bass okay and I, and i said oh they're about to play bells because that's what he plays historically i thought he played the uh jaco bass for bells but they went into creeping death james and you're gonna see it is playing a badass it looks like a 58 uh uh sunburst les paul with a big speaker. oh on
1: i've seen a picture of this it's really cool looking
0: dude it is no joke and he must really be liking that guitar right now because he played it for much of the set after yeah. this oh that's awesome so that's what he played for creep and um let me see if i have any notes about creep no that's really it um it was as you expect it to be kirk played the solo in front of us the die part is something that every metallica fan has to experience with the met family oh yeah absolutely and that, I took that moment to, I took several moments during the show to just look around at the crowd, to not look at the stage. Like yes. Because think about it. We all hear about this moment, the die chant, right? I wanted to see that and like really hear the crowd more than the band. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that's like one of the big, big crowd participation parts of the whole set. It was powerful. It was cool. And by the way, the show was sold out. I mean, it was packed. The last seat awesome. up in the big tier, completely packed. And you know I was like looking up there and thinking about what's the, what must the energy be like up there and it just seems like everyone was pretty excited i I think everyone's definitely walking away from these shows feeling like they really got their money's worth That's awesome that's great that's great to hear so creep kicked ass then they go into bells bells was fun of course I got it's fun always fun to see the the ye old crab walk oh, yeah. in the flesh
1: uh is is Kirks are they still playing tag on stage
0: they're st- <laughs> yeah they're still playing they're still having fun with each other that's and, good. It's really fun because it's, it's like a little bit of a glimpse into their friendship because they're having fun with it. You yeah, know? right. And I know that they're tied off stage. So then during that, they both run off stage, and in the little circle around the stage where the barricade are, they run by everybody. Okay. And kind of, you can kind of pat them on the back. And my comment after that was like, man, I bet Kirk hates this. <laughs> he seems like he would be a bit of a germaphobe. He's just not really into people touching him and shit. Yeah, and, You know, it's pretty cramped in there. And people know. are just, you know, people are patting him on the back and stuff.
1: Right. I can't say I blame, blame him, though.
0: No, I'm, I'm with them on that. Uh, James is playing the, his Corina Explorer for this, which is pretty fucking badass. Really nice. It's probably a 58 also. Um, or are those 59s? The
1: Corinas? Uh, I believe they're yeah. 59s. The, the, wooden, the wood finished ones? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I think it's Well, but it kind of looks... It kind of looks like more of the yellowish one, though. or It's like yellowish-orange, but it's wood. Yeah, it's like wood grain. Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Just as a point of uh, thoroughness for Fade to... Oh, wait, we haven't gotten to Fade yet. Oh, so Fade to Black is next. Not really much to say about Bells. The crowd went crazy. Lars is really fun to watch during Bells. Yeah. Because, you know, he gets up when he's doing that... Yeah, are you talking about
1: the, the the on the ending where it's like the da yeah da 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 da
0: yeah, and even the intro too, and you know all the fun Larcisms like you know the snap and the gimme 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 and the yeah. you know he's super fun and I I would just laugh out loud when he does like he's walking around his whole kit hitting the symbols yeah <laughs> just taking a stroll, and you know he would often kind of run to the edges too and you know he's just screaming getting in people's faces and I guess so when you have the hardwired experience you don't go to the rail or anything they basically put you in like the first three rows where the seats start so it's basically like the rail but you get to sit down they're pretty cool seats oh that's cool Well, at one point, Lars came over and he's looking at those people and he's saying all their names. And I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. Oh wow! I was like, "What is he doing?" And Sarah was like, "Those are all the hardwired, experienced people that he just met, right?" And he's remembering their names and looking at them and saying their names to them. That's great! Wow! How fucking cool is that? Good memory, man. He does, and he's, he's yeah, either that or like he's
1: got a little monitor next to him and like teleprompter world. It was like. Oh, it's, that's uh, Bill. That's, that's yep, Joyce. Exactly.
0: That's Joyce. That's, that's Paw Paw. That's, that's Joyce. That's, that's Hulkster. <laughs> that's the Hulkster right there. That's Brantley and Jason. They're, There's Brantley, Jason. They're they're like on their phones trying to get each other like, Brantley, Jason, I can't hear you, man. I'm Playing from the bell tolls. Um, okay. Am I talking too much? Is everything no, cool?
1: No, no, We're about to go roll in a fade to black.
0: All right, fade to black. So same deal. They bring that acoustic up. Uh, the intro sounds great. Kurt nailed the the uh, solo. Sounded great. Awesome. The thing that stood out to me, and they kind of always do this, but the tempo difference between the intro and the twelve string part, oh, the verse, yeah, it's pretty significant. It's
1: kind of drastic. Yeah.
0: And then when they go into the dun 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 dun, when they go from that back into the twelve-string part, it slows down so much again. It's and it's no one's making a mistake. They're all they're all doing it. What's impressive is they're all doing it together. Yes, totally. It's just they've played it so many times, and that's just what they do.
1: Yeah, the the heavier parts are definitely way sped up live.
0: It's interesting. I mean, because you know, you and I as as like Nashville side guys. We are, like, so hard-trained to never do anything like that. Like
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: That is just so uh, not... That's just so against the rules. Like, you you have to maintain tempo, dude. Yeah, no joke. Especially you as a drummer. Right. But that just sort of speaks to the, the gel and the symbiosis of them as a band. I mean, they've been playing music together for 35 years.
1: Yeah, and if, and if it's only Fade to Black, like, going into the heavy part, which is kind of the no vocal chorus... You know, they, they may have been just slowly speeding that up over years and years and years to where now they're just at this place where it's just, that's what they do. Like, it might be weird if if Lars didn't kind of push that tempo at that part.
0: Well, I'll tell you what you can really see too, especially up close like that, is you can see that they're still real excited to play all these songs. That's awesome. That's so, that's so encouraging to hear. Like, a lot of passion all around Good. Lars, the whole band. just just And they finished that one and, of course, everyone sang the hook. Oh! and um the solo kicked ass although kirk was facing away from us it was harder to hear him without kind of being able to see and like Uh, approximate approximate the information you're getting in your ears with your visuals sure um but that double kick thing at the end you know that lars goes into he did great his double kick work i thought was great i don't think he did the moth stuff and i don't think he did the I don't know if he did the hardwired stuff either. He, he usually doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't do those. I think it was kind of just but he but he But he did do Fade to Black, and he did do the one stuff. Yeah,
1: okay. Awesome.
0: Uh, it was funny that James was like, play Fade to Black. He's like, you guys like that song? <laughs> of course, everyone's like, uh, yes. Uh, duh. I can't remember when he said something like, yeah, we like that one too. That was cool. <laughs> so um, those were all my notes on that. Uh, then they have kind of the thrash slot. Now, this is where they played the... Cornell cover in Tulsa
1: Well, so, uh,
0: real quick Head injury Real yeah. quick, uh,
1: don't skip over the Doodles
0: Oh shit, I'm sorry Okay, yeah, yeah So the Doodles, uh, I didn't recognize them But they were local punk bands um, Econochrist and Trusty Are you familiar with those bands? I am not Okay Someone wrote in about We were talking about like not recognizing these Doodles Someone's like, how do you guys not know that? I'm like <sighs> <laughs> I don't know every punk band Sorry, dude um, I didn't recognize it but it was fun it was real punk rock and you know Rob sort of introduces it and he was like "Oh, so James introduces the, the doodle bit he's like this is Rob this is Kirk these are our brothers and our friends and he was like they try to work up something special for you guys every night and he goes I don't even know what it's gonna be you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the idea of like something that Rob and Kirk do together in every city is they get together, maybe have a coffee, and they are like, What could we do tonight that would be fun? You know? Right, exactly. And what what, what could they do in Birmingham tomorrow? Someone was saying Swedem Alabama, but Leonard Skinner is not from Alabama. They're from, they're from f- Gainesville. They're from Florida, yeah. Yeah. So um you know, maybe some Hank Williams. That's true, that's his home state. They could do like Hey Good Looking or yeah. Jambalaya or like, you know, yeah, Lost true. Highway or something. Okay. Um he's from Montgomery. What 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 do you think? I mean, what do you, what would you guess? For Birmingham? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> off the top of my head, I don't know. Oh, you know what it might be? Some kind of muscle shoals stuff.
1: Yeah, they could do something like that. Yeah. Um and Nashville, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll do like just like Johnny Cash or something.
0: Yeah. Pff, boring. <laughs>
1: isn't that boring maybe they'll do uh a song from cover i will blacken to part two
0: <laughs> maybe they'll do a rodney atkins song
1: it's probably gonna be a rodney atkins song
0: well you know we all know the doodles it was kind of for them and, and i was a little bummed to see a lot of people going for pp time
1: uh this is kind of yeah the pee break time
0: that's fine and uh, yeah i mean it was cool i i I had a good time with it. Uh, then Rob did, does pulling teeth, and you know we, we, he sounded great. He, well, I just called it pulling teeth, but anesthesia pulling teeth, right? And uh, I d- I did think, which I'm sure anyone who was paying attention to that, which he was kind of in James's first position, so we couldn't see him that great. But okay, I was thinking during that, like you know, like honing in on it, I was like, God damn it, he is such a great bass player. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, you watch, when you watch his like right hand fingers move, you're like, holy shit, dude. Oh my god. So when he None of the other guys had this happen, okay? I don't know why this is a Rob thing, but whenever he would come to our corner, we would hear them put his bass in the monitors.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, they'll follow him around because it's like Hetfield may not want bass in the monitor, and then when Rob gets over there, you throw it in.
0: Well, but I thought, oh, whichever guy is in whatever position, they put whatever that instrument is there for them. Right. Because maybe maybe they take an ear out, one of their in-ears out or whatever, they want to hear the room, but no one else got louder when they were over there except for Robert. Like, when Kurt came over, we couldn't hear him better. You know what I mean? Right. Okay, yeah. So I think it's just Rob. That's awesome. And um, so, dude, to watch him, like, oh, okay, so here's a good example. He was standing right in front of me, and and they turned his bass up. And I was watching him play Creeping Death with his fucking fingers. Like that song is fast, dude. Oh. And he was when he was doing that part, the G to F sharp part, he was slapping it with his thumb. Go 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 go. Oh wow. It didn't sound like it didn't sound like, you know, less Claypool. But he was definitely slapping it like with the you know, the the big part of his thumb where it needs his hand. It, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear that. It was just he's a very powerful player, and I think you and I have mentioned this before, but when he was doing the doodle with Kirk, it almost sounded like they were playing with a drummer. Mm interesting. It was just so loud and percussive and he was hitting it so hard that it just was occupying a lot of sonic space. It was very full and big and cool.
1: That's awesome. Well, I mean, I imagine too, like when we're watching any of those doodle videos, it's like on our phone or a computer and it's like you're right. you're you're not getting the atmosphere of the room as you described before. Right. Right.
0: All right, moving right along here. Now, it was probably about this point, Ethan, and I haven't told you this yet. Okay. Um it's probably after uh the doodle and the boys come back on stage and they're getting ready to do hit the lights and I think they might even be talking about something like the past or whatever. So all the lights are kind of on and I'm looking into like the first bowl, like all the people standing, you know, like in the seats. Yeah. And I don't want to say anything to Sarah because I don't want to embarrass myself. But I'm like, I think I see a guy wearing a metal up your podcast t shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, I finally worked up the courage. I was like, because I didn't, know, you know, she may be able to see better than me. I was like, Sarah, do you see a guy over there wearing a metal up your podcast shirt? And sure enough, there's just a dude in the wild back there wearing one of our shirts to no the Metallica way. show.
1: What, the OG logo?
0: No, one of the newer ones. Really? That's cool. Oh, yeah. The OG no, the OG logo, but they didn't have the website on it, oh, so it's like so it one of newer, the newer iterations. It was of the it. second edition. I just, you know, I thought that was pretty neat. Like, That's not awesome. that it's all well, about us. I just, he's it was cool. listening to this show right now. Well, wh- whoever you are, dude, write in and let us know. I took a picture of you. I'm gonna put it on the socials. Like, okay. t- I, got my phone out of that at that moment and took a picture of it.
1: Oh, is this when you took your only photo?
0: No, I, I was, I, I was, I, would, I didn't lie, but I was wrong. I took two. Okay. That was one of the two. <laughs> but it wasn't of the band, so. It was of the guy wearing my podcast T-shirt at the show. Yep, exactly. Not in vain at all. Um, They played Hit the Lights. It was great. Sarah called it because I was like, what's this? Cause, oh, because we thought it might be the Cornell tune because they, they played Head Injury yes. in Tulsa. And I was like, man, I'd kind of rather hear like, Hit the Lights or Four Horsemen or whatever. And she was like, I think it's going to be Lights. And it was. And it was great. Kirk did like, the wah solos in front of us. Uh, it was cool. so fun. Everyone saying all the words, you know. It's one of the only two Kill 'Em All tunes we're going to get, so it's just yeah. everyone kind of went all out for that. And that, as you know, that's in one of my top ten favorite tunes. Oh yeah, so. that,
1: that's a that's a thrasher man. I mean, Hit the Lights is one of the best off that record.
0: And just knowing that that's where it all started too, like it's just kind of a treat. It kind of brings it all around for me. Yeah, for sure. Now is this the uh, one, or is it in Seek and Destroy where on the cubes,
1: which are screens essentially? They have start throwing up like old school flyers and things like that. I can't
0: remember, but yeah, it might have been this one. Okay, it's, well, it's, the, it's one of the two, I know that. The Cubes have a lot of, like, it's a little bit of an onslaught, a little bit of, like, content, because they have a lot, there's, like, a pushead song where there's a lot of like, Pusshead skulls, and there's that thing you mentioned. There's one song that was really fun where every side of the Cube and every Cube had, like, a fan drawing of the band members. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, some of them are great, some of them are okay, but they're all interesting. Like, it's really hard not to watch that yeah, when that yeah, was happening. Yeah,
1: for sure. Oh, that's so cool.
0: And and I was just fascinated by the production in general. So anytime the cubes were moving, I was kind of drawn to it, just the, the mechanics of it, you know? Right, like, yeah. The mechanical yeah. nature of the cubes was just fascinating because they were so smooth and fast. It was creepy almost. Yeah, totally. Um. Then we get the, the reload slot, and because we they played Memory Remains in Tulsa, we kind of knew we were going to get fuel. Yeah, for sure. But it kicked butt. It was totally freaking awesome. And it was the first taste of pyro. And just like in the stadium, dude, you feel that shit. Oh, yeah. Is this Even the, is when this you, the
1: one where the flames come up around Lars?
0: Yes. Yeah. And they're no joke. Oh, yeah. It's It's actually scary. Absolutely. Of, of course, we were close, but... It's scary how intense it is, and even when you know it's coming, you still hear you still hear like a gasp from the whole crowd. Like everyone's just like, "Ooh, wow!" That's the whole crowd going, "It's camp. It's not that hot." Holy shit! You're
1: right. And the power guy, like,
0: apparently, Jason, you feel that?
1: And then the power guy's like, "Thank you,
0: thank you." He's just under there sweating. He just blew yeah. his fucking thumb off. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to to give us that moment, he just blew all of his thumbs off which is two of them.
1: What is he's self-sacrificing?
0: Um, Kirk did a great job with the solo. It's one of my favorite solos. By the way, the feedback we're getting on the Reload episode is pretty serious. Like, from the Load and Reload episodes back-to-back the last few weeks, we're getting a lot of people telling us that they're getting into Load and Reload. I know. It's cool, huh? I kind of, I'm kind of wondering if it's, like, the most important work we've done on the show yet. I mean, I, I, it's either that
1: or... Convincing people to like saying anger that don't. But I mean, I don't know if that's gonna happen.
0: I don't know. To me Well, we're not the dudes to do that job.
1: Right. To me, I, I'm basing this off personal experience is that I it took me a while to get into the load and reload era. And once I did, I kinda was like, Why didn't I back then? I know as a whole I knew as a completely different person back then, but um it's happening to our fans.
0: It's crazy. I mean, let me... Someone just sent us a message on Instagram. Let me try to read some of this. Uh, Andrew Luss says, uh, You guys have swayed my opinion about the Loads. I listen to them on the regular now. Such good albums. I mean, that's a dude who's just literally saying we changed his mind. Um, yeah. This Cooper Peros guy said, Just fin- finished binging the Load Reload episodes. Now I'm hooked on them. Before listening, I sort of like Load, but nothing like I do now. The albums now make a ton more sense than they, than they did before. And the interplay between Kirk and James's guitars is such ear candy. However, you're absolutely right about load fatigue. But nevertheless, I need them on vinyl. Like, I don't know. It's just been really nice to see that. It's cool, man. Hey, we're
1: making a difference in the world. We're changing the world, dude. Heal the
0: world.
1: Make it a better better
0: load
1: for you and reload, but not
0: Lulu. (laughs) Okay, moving along here on the Shizzo. All right. Moth and the Flame, okay, James is playing the Carl guitar. Really cool to see that guitar in person. Yeah, I'm sure. For those of you who don't don't know, where have you been? How are you listening to this? Um, It's the guitar made from the wood of the garage at Carlson, the Carlson house where they wrote Ride the Lightning and uh, and Master of Puppets. So that was really fun to see. And of course it sounds great. Uh, They played Moth. It totally kicked butt. Everyone was real excited about it. And, uh, of course, the drones are just completely indescribable if you haven't seen it. Yeah.
1: I'm, I, this is what I've been looking it,
0: forward to for, since they debuted them. It's beautiful. It's graceful. It's also pretty creepy. Yeah. It's mesmerizing. Um, you know, I can hardly describe it, dude. And They... they it's just really trippy to see like they come up on their own, and 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 when it's over, those little slots open that the cubes come up in, yeah, and they and they all just, just on their own just retreat, f- just fly into there.
1: Uh, um, the
0: future is the future was yesterday. <laughs> oh, I love the philosopher, the, the philosophy, Ethan. The great, the future was yesterday.
1: The great, um, <laughs> Ethan Luck of. The Nashville Tennessee in his famous quote the
0: future was yesterday. The future yesterday the past an empty egg. Time a flat
1: pancake. We are living in the past of a flat pancake.
0: We live in a snow globe. We are the entertainment of ants. <laughs> We are the hair on the spider's eye. Time <laughs> is an illusion. The future was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> a sonnet by Ethan Luck. <laughs> that's a haiku. Good night, dark continent. We are the future, which yesterday. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's Moth. Uh, Sabbath, true. They James finds a moment to talk about, you know, the crowd and the age. He, he does the whole. Uh, I don't want to freak anyone out, but I see old people here. <laughs> he does that whole thing. Um, he's playing the white snake bite, but there's this cool in the in the corner horn uh, towards the back of the guitar. there's a coiled snake uh decal oh, from cool. from Black Album. Nice, which I thought was pretty bitching and Heck yeah. uh, when he says, "We bring you heavy, you want heavy, we bring you heavy," it is no joke, dude. On Sad But True. It's yeah. just simply no joke. Uh, I'm so now, here's bit. a funny thing that happened, and this is the second picture I took. You know when he takes the guitar off and puts it upside down and does like the feedback detuning thing? Yes, totally. So he's doing that right in front of us in our corner, like literally just right Ooh, in front of us. Nice. Well, at one point, and so that was when I pulled my phone out and I took a selfie where you can see me and Sarah looking into the camera and James is literally right behind us detuning his guitar. I just thought that would uh, was a funny picture. <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: And, uh, but so as he's doing that, his guitar just loses signal. And he, you could tell he's like, what? And he's like messing with the toggle switch. And then he, he realizes, oh, it's the, the jack came unplugged and he goes to pull it put it back in and I guess the jack broke off in the input jack. Oh
1: no. So that. it's just like a happen. cable
0: without the jack. And you see it was just funny watching all of the that dawn on him and he just sat there on his hands and knees because it was obviously the big moment sort of petered out like a like a fart in the wind. Yes, exactly. And, you, <laughs> and we just saw him go, Okay. He just said it to himself, he went, Okay. Oh so that's that. <laughs> yeah. And like Sarah and I, if you heard the uh, the Metal Tales episode she did, we had this whole conversation about, you know, the zenness of Papa Het. Like that might have been something in the old days that might have really made him angry as the perfectionist that he is. And I'm also thinking about him throwing his guitar at the Grammys, you know. Right. Well, but uh, it was um, t- it
1: takes a lot for him to get to that point.
0: It was like seeing him just sort of process and be like, Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Good thing I've got twenty five more guitars backstage it was yeah and you know like chad's probably gonna chad probably fixed it that night um oh yeah so then we get master puppets it was great what can i say he hey, played I, the carl we skipped yeah. over
1: skipped over one.
0: Oh crap what well, whoopsie sorry sorry folks so then they leave the stage lars goes into his little cubby um and they play the intro you know music james comes out playing the ken lawrence guitar <clears throat> Which again, that's such a classic James Hetfield guitar. So cool to see it. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I was just a little bummed. There's no Uncle Milty, no uh, Les Paul custom, but there's also another guitar change a little later that I think is going to shock you. It shocked me, okay, for sure. Okay, um, he's playing the Ken Lawrence Explorer, and you know that tone of his. Uh, intro to one, that chorusy it's great, thick. It's just so cool to hear that in an arena. It sounded so good. And he had his like head cocked back and his eyes closed playing that intro. Well, awesome. Um, Kirk did a good job. The song kicked butt. It was business as usual. And uh, James did the machine gun riff right in front of us. So that was kind of a treat for me to like, just to watch his right hand that close.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very cool. And how he holds the pick with three fingers and stuff. Yeah, right. So it, which, cool. if you
0: tried to do that since we've talked about it, it's really yep. hard. I've tried it numerous times and I still, I mean... I drop the pick half the time. It's not easy. So so for those of you who, who maybe you don't know what we're talking about, the usual way that most people hold picks is they hold it between their middle finger and their thumb. And James holds his with his pointy finger and his middle finger and his thumb. Right, yeah. And it, it doesn't sound like that's a big deal, but it actually, technique-wise, makes a pretty big difference. And I bet that's part of the key to his downstroke genius. I
1: think so, yeah. I think that's part of his tone because, you know, you he you know, whatever amp you want, whatever guitar you want, but like a lot of that tone comes down to the player, you know.
0: Well, and I think you also have more uh, control and you have more precision because you have more of a grip, and you you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you have more um, tactile information there with that pick instead of just the two fingers. You got the three, kind of really making it tight, making it real tight,
1: and, and making that, that
0: downstroke real aggressive too. I'll be submitting my physics dissertation to scientific today. I'm going to submit
1: to Cornell University.
0: The past was yesterday. <laughs> the past is tomorrow. The future is in the eye of the sparrow. <laughs> okay. So then they kind of do the magic trick, say goodbye. We know they're not saying goodbye. But it did seem heartfelt. Like, they're saying thank you. And one of the things I really liked about their vibe is, like, they, they gave a lot of love to the nosebleed. People,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. They, they seem to they seem to do that quite a bit, like even on the stadium run.
0: Like they did a good job of giving the rail people love because the rail people are people who generally are buying VIP. They definitely made time to give love to the hardwired people where they were sitting, but they, they tried to make everyone feel included. And Jim Brewer did a good job of that, too. He he gave a lot of love to people in all the different sections. Awesome. He made everyone feel included, even if they felt far away. You know, Right,
1: yeah. Well, I think it's a little tactic to almost make,
0: you know, you're in an arena or whatever. It's
1: a way to make the crowd feel like they're in a smaller space, too
0: right it brings everyone in you know and that that's what you want at that thing is you want to bring everyone in because you want everyone walking away saying that was one of the best fucking concerts of my life yeah which by the way i've been saying that i i didn't think i could beat the the snake pit uh show with brad blazik but this is definitely up there and might even beat it out because that's awesome you know i was also a lot more comfortable i didn't stand in the rain for four hours and get a f- fucking rash on my <laughs> on my entire lower body that's true um so then we don't know what they're playing for the encore we guessed it might be spit because they did blackened in tulsa we hear yeah. the spit intro uh, james is playing the uh, electro that you mentioned earlier and you know just to see spit out the bone live was such a fucking treat dude
1: oh i bet man
0: now unfortunately we're not going to get that in birmingham but there's a pretty good shot we're going to get it in nashville
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, so, I would imagine tomorrow we get uh, Blackened or Battery, maybe.
0: I think it's either going to be Battery or Fight Fire.
1: Or Fight Fire, that's true, yeah.
0: Um, and I would guess Battery. So that means Nashville might either be Blackened or Spit. Okay. And I hope it's Spit. I hope you guys get to see it. Yeah, I would, God, I would love to. I just it have was seen great, yet. you know. And even Robert's BGVs were cool. James ended up finishing the song right in front of us, so it was just a treat, you know, watching him do that, you know, the last chorus. Um, yeah, at this point, set, you matter. guys are basically best friends over
1: there on stage. Stage left, me and James. Oh, at this point, yeah. I mean, oh well, I told you already. Songs, he yeah.
0: smiled at me. He, he smiled at me. Oh yeah, and he only smiles at his friends. What do you think? Yeah, you think I? You think I didn't capitalize on that smile? You think he's gonna smile at me tomorrow night? Probably. Not. I had him. I had him in my MySpace top eight within ten seconds of that smile, that golden smart, top of head smile.
1: Smart, smart
0: move. Well, he, I got put him in my top eight. He puts me in his top eight. It's it's transactional. Hey, eight, top eight for top eight. Then we get nothing else matters but it was it was a little confusing cuz Kirk walks out to do the intro but instead of holding his black Les Paul yeah. he's he's holding a 57 sunburst stratocaster
1: which that is very
0: interesting. I mean pretty weird, right? I never ever see him play one of those. And the tone was the tone was the tone had like a chorusy wobble or like a tremolo wobble. It was interesting tone. It sounded pretty good. So it wasn't his normal real thin plucky kind of sound no it i i don't think it's normally thin it's normally really compressed and plucky you're right but it normally is pretty thick to me but it sounded like a strat you know like it really did and i'm and knowing him i'm I'm sure it really was like a 57 like a cool 57 oh for sure um i kind of missed the girth of the les paul but it was just it was interesting to see him playing that I know he loves blues music, and I know he's a huge Hendrix cat, but I've never seen him play a Strat like that, you know? Yeah,
1: that's awesome, man. I wonder if it's one of those things like after the last break, he just was at home or at at HQ and was like, oh man, I haven't played that in a while, I'll take it on the next run.
0: Or he just bought it, you know? Like he bought it from a dealer or a seller, he came across it in Hawaii and was like, fuck it, I'm taking this on the road. He may have bought that two days ago in Nashville. You know what's crazy is right now, as we speak, they're in Nashville.
1: Yeah, it seems like they're hubbing out of Nashville. Uh, James was at the pre- uh, Nashville Predators game the other night. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. I'd imagine Kirk would be hitting up some guitar shops, James, some old country sites. And if, the, you know, if they want tour guys, just just hit us up.
0: I was driving home last night thinking, how cool would it have been if they could have just let me hop in that jet? Because you know they hopped in a jet right after the show.
1: Oh, yeah. You could just jump in there with them and be like, listen, you don't have to drop me off at home.
0: I'll Uber there. Just... I'll just live with you guys now. Is that cool? Is that fine? Um, nothing Else Matters is great. It was a treat to see James play the solo, although he did play it on the opposite end of us, so we couldn't see much of that. Um, oh, by the way, before, after Bells, I want to go back to this for a second. Okay. Kirk did kind of like a traditional guitar hero. They all left the stage, and he, he did some wailing.
1: Oh, okay. And it was
0: really good. Like, he was fucking shredding. Well, that's good.
1: It's not that awesome wanted to mention. That.
0: Yeah, I I felt like he hasn't done much of that. And anyway, it was really really fun to watch. Oh, um, Kirk feeling saucy at the end of nothing else matters during all the feedback stuff. James, you know, he holds the pick and they they zone zone in on it for the screens of like the, the city specific. Yeah, he rotates page.
1: it to show Little Rock or whatever.
0: And even though that's also part of the magic trick, it was real clear that the crowd really really dug that. That's that was awesome. one of the biggest crowd reactions of the night is when they saw that he was holding a pick that said Little Rock. Oh, uh, that's so cool! Well, and it made me happy for all of them. It made me happy for the people of that city. And, totally, man. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember
1: even when, when the first time I saw it uh, was before I saw the stadium tour. So, Something. oh,
0: did they do? Did they do that in Australia?
1: No, 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 no. It was, uh, it was the Global Citizen Festival.
0: Oh, okay, was, yeah, yeah, and it was the
1: same thing where he was like leaned down back to the crowd and then
0: flips the pick around, right? Same
1: kind of thing, like, and, and, and it was exciting when I saw it too.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't, I, I bet it's going to be fun to see that in Nashville. Absolutely, man. It definitely, you know. Will. Um, and then of course Sandman. I don't know if there's much to say about Sandman. Oh, I do actually want to talk about Sandman. Okay, in terms of the in terms of them playing it, um. It was great. you know. They played it. It was super fun. Everyone sang every word, even all the diehards on the rail who might otherwise be grumpy about it. (laughs) And I guess my biggest takeaway from that, and it's similar to what I was saying earlier, and we can kind of start to wrap it up here, but um, when you are standing there in that arena, I mean, first of all, let me say this. When he started playing the intro riff, probably the next biggest crowd reaction, and it was as if people really didn't know if they would play it or not. Wow, okay. Like, everyone jumped up. Everyone went fucking crazy. Yeah, And, you know, you and I doing this podcast and being big fans, we're kind of maybe more involved than your average fan, a casual. And uh, when you see that and feel that reaction to that song, it's just... any, Any conversation about, well, I wish they would... I'm so... Let them retire Sandman. It just completely evaporates. That's cool. Into nothing. Because you realize... This is the song that brought us all here, really. This is the song that brings us all together.
1: Yes, it really is. I mean, I, I really think that if that song had never
0: existed, I don't know if Metallica would be where they are. It just brings it brings us, it connects us with everyone there because even the du- even the dudes who maybe Kill 'em All their favorite record, were all jumping up and down and screaming and grinning ear to ear. The song is just that big. I was I was like looking. That was another moment where I was just looking at the crowd and. I was like, this is the greatest heavy metal song of all time. It just seemed like no question to me. That yeah. For it's sure. the greatest heavy metal song of all time.
1: Yeah. I mean, i if, if people like us can like it and then people that are maybe were maybe with the show that are very casual fans, they might know only black album songs. Maybe fuel. And then that still gets them out of their chair, then that's that's I mean, amazing.
0: And it, it just it was there was no doubt in my mind that they have to play it and it has to be last, and that's everyone's big takeaway. And it's it's a big celebration, you know yeah of for the sure. power of the power of Metallica, it's not a deep cut, it's not an arduous ten minute thrash journey. It's not a progressive um you know critically acclaimed piece of whatever. Yep. it's just the one song that everyone walks away going god damn it, that was fucking amazing
1: or you walk away going, I forgot how big that song was yeah maybe maybe it's so. like, a, like a reminder, you know maybe you haven't listened to that record in a long time, and you're like, damn, that song was huge.
0: Or maybe, yeah, or maybe you walk away going like, "Ah, oh, I never really liked Sandman because it was so big, and I had a lot of fun just now singing it with everybody." Yeah, for sure. And no one wasn't singing it. Like it's just, I don't know, man. It's such a great way to end the show, and I think they, I think the boys understand their responsibility to how big they are yes. and to how how broad they are, and that song is such a big part of it, and it it really made me happy for Kirk because he gets a lot of shit a lot of different kinds of shit from all sorts of angles and i thought you know what he wrote that he wrote that riff yeah that is so fucking cool
1: oh that's amazing i mean i i would imagine that would still pop through his head every once in a while just like maybe not every night at every show but like wow, man like this one little riff that i wrote ended up becoming our biggest song of all time
0: well someone asked him what 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 his what his favorite metallica song was or it was like a uh what Metallica song would you take to a desert island or whatever? And he said Inner Sandman. Wow. He was like he was like, you know, that's I feel a lot of pride about what that contribution and how big that song he kind of basically said everything I just said, which yeah. I really appreciated that he just sort of said it plainly, like That's cool. That's great. I like Inner Sandman because that's me, that's my footprint. Yeah. That's my writing contribution. Exactly. In a band in a band that's obviously dominated by the primary songwriters, which are James and Lars.
1: Yes, totally. And he wrote something good enough to where they were like, "That's good. Let's
0: let's work on that. Let's uh, you know evolve on that." Rob, Rob's like, "I wrote the intro to Man Unkind. <laughs> what about me?" You know, Rob has co-writes on every song on Death Magnetic.
1: I know it's crazy. Well, I mean, you so watch he, that making of. He's he's in there quite a bit.
0: He's a okay. So the show ends. They say all their goodbyes. They throw out huge cupfuls of pick picks and. Um, and we were trying to walk away to go reunite with pete and aaron and we couldn't really get through the the barricade so we had to go up in the seats as we're walking up a guy recognizes me and he's like are you clint wells from metal up your podcast and i was like yeah dude and he you know he's i I'm i'm trying to remember his name i'm so sorry dude but i can't remember his name maybe it was brandon and um he was he was really cool about the show. And he was like, you know, I, I heard about you guys from the Detroit recap show. And he was like, I was skeptical because your recap of the show was longer than the show itself. <laughs> but he was real nice. And then as we're standing there, he reckon, he was like, Are you Sarah from the show? And she was like, Yeah. And oh, he recognized wow. her. And she's real sweet and huggy. Like she was like giving everyone a hug. Right, so. yeah, totally. I talked to him for a minute, and then what what the Sarah Van does is they all and it's not just her, Sarah Van, but like all the other black ticket, I guess, type people. They try to take a big picture at the show. Oh, that's cool. Maybe, t- maybe 15, 20 people. So they ask you to take it? <laughs> they're like, Clint, we're so glad you're here. Thanks, Listen, man. the uh, the flash is here. and the, you, You're not a black ticket holder,
1: so would you mind just snapping a few? It's the big button.
0: Well, what was fun about that moment is I got to meet a lot of <laughs> those people, and a lot of them are fans. Cool. So I got to meet uh, this guy named Patrick, who's a patron. I got to meet a lot of patrons. Oh, that's awesome. And, and, uh, by the way, almost every one of these people I met are coming to the party. I, I met uh, MetFam Mike. Awesome. Uh, Joe. I'm so sorry, dudes, if I don't remember all your names, but the the end of the show was a really fun send-off because it was like a big love fest, and right. I was taking pictures of people, and get, I got to give a lot of people hugs. I got to hug Aaron. So that was Aaron's last show, so he's got to go back to work. And Okay. Got to send our love to Kindle and hug Pete's neck and hug Sarah.
1: Yeah, oh, so great, and then I,
0: And then I got out of there real quick because I just felt like I got to fucking get on the road and get out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah you had five hours ahead of you after this. but um,
0: at, at this point, I was still planning on getting a hotel like right outside of Memphis. Yeah. But when I got there, I was like, man, I just want to go home. I just need yeah. to get home. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame you either way.
1: But yeah, when you're getting closer and closer, you're like, I'm almost there. I can do it yeah exactly um but man it's i mean it sounds like you know for a last minute decision this whole experience like far beyond exceeded your expectations
0: it was it was such a treat man it was so cool and um I'm so glad I got to do have that experience with Sarah, you know, like it was just such a fun, like if, you know, if my boys can't be there, it's like, I'm glad I didn't have to do it alone, you know? Right, yeah. That's what it felt like with Blazik when I did the snake pit with Blazik. It's just good to have someone there to, to experience it with, you know? Yes,
1: exactly. And a huge thanks and to Wes for, for you know, setting you up and stuff and it was so last minute and, and, you know, getting you in there a little bit early to get a good rail spot and...
0: He's my hero, dude. He's yeah. my total hero, and he couldn't have been nicer. And uh, I'm excited to see him tomorrow. And of course, he's going to be at the party. And it's just this is our Metallica week, dude. It is, man. It's Metallica week. We've been talking about this for months, almost a year. And so anyway, I'm, I'm as excited as I can be to see these next two shows. Yeah, to, to hang out with you and Brad Lyons, Paul Moak, our friend Matthew Mayfield, Brad Blake's is going to be there. The Sarah Van's going to be there. Sarah Van's I'll, we're meeting so many people at the party. Uh um uh Wayne Summers is coming, the the backdrop guy. That's right, Wayne will be there. Um, Edgar Baradas from California Self Destruct's coming, awesome. the Creeping Carolinas are coming, our friend Stephanie's coming. I don't want to leave anyone out. Oh my uh and Blake our Talica. friends uh Blake Talica is coming. Some of my friends from San Diego are coming. Amazing. Um you know, there are people that are telling us they're almost more excited for the party than they are for the cake. man.
1: I'm, uh, I, I, truthfully, I'm getting a little nervous about the capacity of this place. What are we gonna do? I don't know.
0: I like that we're working this out on the show. I know.
1: Uh, what should we? Like, do? I, I'm
0: literally asking you, what are we gonna do? I
1: don't know. Well, the, fortunately, there's like the front bar room. There's another bigger room with like pool, a couple pool tables.
0: Yeah, but are they having like another thing in there though? No, that, there's
1: three rooms total. There's a, there's so there's the front bar. There's the middle room. Then there's a then there's a back venue.
0: Right, I. We may need to have access to that venue,
1: if well, unless there's a show there that night. Oh fuck! So, but there there's still two good sized rooms available. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I guess worst case scenario. I mean, I don't want anybody to get turned away, but like if we hit capacity, we hit capacity. However, it is a kind of place where I think they probably will will squeeze in a little more than the capacity uh, says. Honey,
0: who needs a fire code?
1: You know, and you know, if it wasn't January, there's a. Bitch in huge outdoor
0: area yeah but it is january it's I'm january
1: told. it's cold it's not a not a warm week in nashville unfortunately
0: well well we'll figure it out and um but yeah but that was my journey and and uh it was it was well worth it and i'm i'm thankful for the people that made it possible and i, I couldn't be more excited to, to uh, see everyone this week and you know i I want to thank our patrons i want to thank the academy i want to thank the hollywood foreign press uh. I want to thank my dog, Lucius. Most
1: importantly, well, I want to thank Clint for being a guest on the show, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was fun, dude. Thanks. You know, we're doing this interestingly from our respective HQs, even yeah. though we live in the same town. That's right. Well, thanks for being available and take the time to talk to me about it. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you this week. Well, I'll see you tomorrow like about 13 hours. Uh, we're leaving here at 1 p.m., by the way. Yeah. Is that cool? Meeting at your place? Yep. Perfect. Uh, are you driving or am I driving? I was planning on driving. All right, cool. Well, to all of you out there in Metal Up Your Podcast Land, we really appreciate it. You can send us any questions or concerns at metalupyourpodcastshow at Gmo.com. Go check out Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash metal up your podcast. If you want to get involved with our cover EPs or if you want to get involved with doing Metal Tales from the road, by the way, patrons tomorrow, we're giving them all a little coupon. Patrons all get their first drink on Metal Up Your Podcast, which, by the way, at this point, is going to be 3,000 people. Yeah, we don't even have that much money. Uh, yeah, we're going to, have to go into debt yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm but, t- taking a second mortgage out of my house for this party. <laughs> well, let's let the people get out of here. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys uh, in a few days. Peace. Adios.
1: Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon.
0: That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World End which is the official Metal your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of
1: things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out.
0: Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.